Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Howdy, boys and girls. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I'm Rocky. This is Eric. Yo. Today, special treat. As I move this into view, like it wasn't planned. Swing. I wonder how far it can go before it goes over. Oh, um, do you really want to know? Whoa. Okay, okay, good. Really gravity. Side view, side view, side view. Well, I'm holding glass Whoa. now. Whoa. So not... That's not suggestive at all. <clears throat> now, we've been laughing about this all week. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's something. It's, it's a it's marketing something. effort. Yeah, it's absolutely a marketing effort. Marketing effort. I've never heard yes. of called that before. So, anyway. Yes. Johnny Walker Swing. It is... It's something. It's mm -hmm. suggestive. Mm -hmm. Was this a gift? Um, this yes, a, yeah. this was Jonathan King gave us this one. Thank so you, we Jonathan. Are finally, yes, thank you for reminding me. Mm -hmm. um, so we are finally, finally getting around to trying this one. It has uh, marketing value-wise, it's pretty cool. It's got kind of like, I don't, it's not old English, but like Germanic-looking. No, I call it old. It's kind of old English. Yeah, yeah. Lettering on yeah. it. Um, top is a nice little thistle thing. I will say they've broken my. They've committed the cardinal sin, as far as I'm concerned. Not a cork. Yeah. How dare they? You know, scientifically, um, they've 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 proven that actually screw caps are as effective as corks. I don't care. Okay. That's one cork. Fine. It's fancier. Great. Yes. Great. So we are going to don't do anything with the tasting notes yet, Mr. Mac. Um, but we are going <laughs> to up there, Mac. pour these out. So little little Johnny Walker swing, Mr. Air or Mr. Mac. I have yours. Little, little Johnny Walker swing goes something like this. Much too much. I I'll know I won't know that until I try it. All right, well, I'll try more. Oh. Does have a nice color. Ooh. I'll give it that. Grippy hand. Woo -woo. All right. <coughs> Bottle kills me. It does. It's it's creepy on multiple I, levels. I yeah I know. I my 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 comment has been that the reason they made it rock like this on the table is because they couldn't figure out a way in the whiskey stores to display it like this. Or side to side. Or side, well, swinging, swinging you know, like yeah. that. Because it's obviously supposed to be yes. swinging. Like, yeah. Testicular. It's a, it's a, ha ha, what does the Scotsman wear under his kilt? Ha ha. Swinging, so, bottle of swinging. Only yeah. Johnny Walker knows for sure. Don't ask how I found out. Fair point. All, All right. right. So, now do we do tasting notes? Uh, sure. Um, What do we smell? Let's start off with... Let's 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 us try it first. What, how how does this swinging bottle smell? It's vinegar. No. no, it's the when I like a locker room, like an old gym bag, like my jock strap. Um, um, to me, it's very very flowery, with like a little bit of plastic. <laughs> Just a, a piquant linoleum overtone, if you will. Exactly. 
Do you get the plastic Mac? I, I do, but I'm also, the witness is being led here as well. I have the notes in front of me, so. Well, does it see it? That's why we have John you Walker. get the notes. That's why we have him get the notes, and we don't. So yeah. We've captured the essence of plastic. <laughs> now, um. I get a little bit of a maple. See, I'm. Um, you call it floral. I call it maple. It reminds me a little bit of maple syrup. Yeah, it's it's like a sweet, flowery kind of smell, yeah. Yeah. but with like the 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 plastic. I don't know. Like if you open, yeah, like an open the case on linoleum or something that has like plastic that's you know pungent plastic. Off gassing. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's like it's it's minor. It's just there. Um, you know why? Plastic screw cap. Should always go with a cork. Should have been a cork. Um, the uh, there's a longtime listener named Lucas who says it smells like. Planet Fitness. Lovely. Fair. Fair. Ah, yes. Makers of fine purple and gold whiskey. All right. Taste. Or do we, do we do, have Mac give us the notes? All right. Is a complex <clears throat> and sophisticated with almost perfumed sweetness. Unquestionably soft and accessible. You're sure to notice the fanciful vanilla and sherry cask wood notes wafting through. Wafting through. Wafting is wafting through. <laughs> is it oak casks or does no, it sherry? Just sherry. sherry, sherry cask. Okay. I know, but it's that explains. Okay, I will. I'll give them that. Yeah, I, I, there was like sort of the vanilla and sherry kind of explains the maple syrupy tone I was getting. Yeah, I'm biased because I don't want to give Johnny Walker a fair <laughs> shake, but I might have to. I don't know. Maybe it's gonna be okay. To, to, Maybe it's gonna be okay after all. I don't know. To harken back to something I think Coraline said at one point about one of them was it's got a little bit of a hairspray smell. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, this I'm is happy. no water yet, so we'll see. Cheers. Cheers. Definitely kill the oak. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got a splinter on the way down. It's super sweet and super yes. short. It's like the flavor isn't going past. I'm not saying it's picking up anything in the back of my palate at all. This is like, no, you're done. I I have oak in the back of the throat and back of the mouth, a little bit. Woody. I don't really get any. It's definitely sweet. Yeah, I definitely get a little bit of sweet. I don't get a whole lot of earthy. Maybe a tiny bit. No. A um, little bit of iodine, but not not a lot. Yeah. Mac, Mac you look concerned. No, it's like, I'd say f almost more on the fruity side of everything. Yeah, the perfumey, flowery is still hitting me a little bit. Mm. It is hitting my gut. Oaky? Or... No, just the sometimes sometimes some whiskeys will hit my eyes like oh no my stomach doesn't like that, so sorry the rougher things are it's just like yeah it's not super smooth no it's it's fine I'm not I'm not you know twitching too much right um but it's not bad it's kind of like that lack of smooth like if you left this bottle like that let's for a while let it, it to let breathe yeah okay a little water let's see what happens. If anyone out there has had it, let us know in the comments. Tell us if you've had swing or your experiences with swinging. No, no, don't. don't. 
Don't put that in the comments. We'll get, keep that for Facebook. <laughs> what happens in the Highlands stays yeah. in the Highlands. <laughs> Alright. It definitely mellowed a tiny bit with the water. Um, not too bad. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Not, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. To quote our uh, uh, store manager, Ian, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's no avocado. It's fine. It's not the avocado of scotches. Right. Yeah, right. Or whiskeys. Um, all right. Mr. Mac, what are, taste, uh, give me the tasting notes on it. So, smooth and sweet, but its light freshness cloaks a deeper fruitiness with some smoke and restrained flavors lingering beyond. The finish is lengthy and rich. Reverberate, yeah, yeah blah, blah, blah. reverberating almost, uh, with sweetness. Reverberating. I almost spit it out over the deep fruitiness. I'm like, <laughs> is it like closeted? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, the, don't I don't. I almost like it better when I didn't put the water in it. No, okay. I think, the, I think the water helped a little bit. Yeah. But it's not. It's mostly just a. It mellowed it out a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a caramelly, slightly mapley, like I said flavor which is the sherry coming yeah. through um it's not as fruity to me as they're saying I don't, i'm yeah. not i'm not digging on the no the i'm not i'm not getting fruity, fruity. or um i like your little, caramel little bit of a little bit of iodine like i said i like your Tiny caramel analogy I like the caramel is good um again i'm not really getting fruity a little bit of it is floralish yeah it is not a long finish no I, they, they lie they lied. Johnny Walker lied to me. It's not. It's not a long finish. Those at all. Sons of bitches. Yeah, it's just gonna. Like I said, it's just gonna. Mm, and it's gone. For me, at least. It's. I don't think it's there and gone for me, but it's not. It's definitely not lingering for a long time. It's not hanging out and you know playing with the tonsils. It's just kind of like you know. All right. See you. Jump down the gullet. Um, right. So right. when you're swinging, you don't play with the tonsils. Got it. Exactly. Okay. It's. This especially, show's especially going all kinds of sideways. Especially when you're that deeply fruity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's something. All right. It's like a metronome for guys who are on a bender. <laughs> what, I actually admire the bottle from up front. It's like... From an artistic standpoint, it's something different. It's like somebody somebody who grew up playing with weebles decided they wanted to make <laughs> art, you know? The weebles waddle, but they don't fall down. room makes... It's like, oh, my dreams come true. I can finally make a weeble that, that has class. No, that's not. Does this mean that, you know, weebles wobble and then they'll fall down? Does this mean that if you drink too much of this... You won't fall down? You won't fall down? That No, that would be a claim. That, my friends, would be an innovation. Be a genius. Yeah. In alcohol. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Mr. Mac, score it one to ten. And if you want, just because you made the you made the point, if you want to score it with and without water, you can do that. Give me the overall. Okay. I'm going. I'm just gonna go overall. I'm going. I'm going. One point eight. Not my favorite. By far, one point eight. Yeah, I'm gonna go one point eight. That's low. Like dude. you would refuse this? If I wouldn't. Re it I wouldn't say I wouldn't refuse it. I would still drink it. Obviously, I'm still drinking it, but hmm. it's not. It's kind of from everything else we've tasted before. This is just very. Okay. Blah. Like that. There's nothing. 
Let me, let me interrupt real quick to make a point based on what Mac just said. In case you're wondering, towards the end of this year, we are actually going to put together a compilation of all the tries we've done this year in 2021. And we're going to have a rundown of our, from you know top score to bottom score, or probably from worst score to top, with the top being the last one we list. But we're going to do a, a compilation video for New Year's of all the tries. So, yeah. yeah. 1.8 is super low, though. That's, that's really low. That's usually in the, that's like I would say, no. low. Yeah. I'm just... Smokehead was higher than 1.8. Jesus. <laughs> This did, is smoking. <laughs> Max over there coughing. Did, did Jason Dude. just put this in his smoker? I know. <sighs> Where do we check that? I think is Max we... getting more critical as he becomes more experienced. That's a fair point as well. Hmm. The it, it is your score. I will it not... is. It is on the record. It is. It's on the record. It is in. <laughs> so let it be said. Done. All right, Mr. Eric, your score one to ten. What do you give this swill? <laughs> as swill goes, um, I'll actually give it like a. 4.4. I, okay. I would drink it at a party. I would pour it over a fruitcake. I don't know. We bring out the deep fruity notes. Exactly. Of the deep fruitcake. Exactly. Just rolling with that um, whole, you know, it's one joke for the whole show. Exactly. Um, I'd give it a 5.3. Like, it's fine. Okay. It's average. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's nothing, ooh, I have to have that. But it's nothing bad. Yeah, I could almost go a little higher with my score, but I said it, so I'll stick with it. Yeah. Very good. That's it. Besides, 44 is my favorite number. There you go. Swing. Ask not for who the whiskey swings. But It's but. like a fidget spinner for alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get that out of here. <laughs> oh All right. God. Boys and girls, load your questions in the comments. Um... Let us know what you need us to answer, what burning questions you need to know. Um, and I will say this as well. Stick around for the end of the show. We are doing a sneak preview. Um, Eric and I went to Celtic Classic mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, yep. and we took a bunch of different footage there. We interviewed a bunch of the different you know, clan societies and you know, all kinds of different well, stuff. Well, we did have help. We had our, we had our media guys with us, too. Yes. So. Well, there's that. Which you're, you're breaking the magic. I'm trying to give credit where credit's due. Give him credit. Okay, well. The, anyway, we went. Love you, Tom. We the, went, we saw, we conquered. Yes, indeed. So, stick around. Check it out. End of the show. We're going to have a little sneak preview about that, and then we're going to chat about it for a little bit before we sign off. Mm. So, that being said, Mr. Eric. About the magic clipboard. What do we got? All right, I'm going to start with one which I've been wanting to answer for a long time. Will, I apologize it's taken so long to get to this, but... Will O'Hare asked us many moons ago, jewelry, what works, what doesn't? Watches, bracelets, necklaces, even sunglasses. He says he personally thinks they don't go well with a kilted look, but he understands why folks want, need to wear them. So, I mean, is too much jewelry too much? <clears throat> Are you detracting from your... Is any jewelry too much? Yeah. Are you detracting from your Highlands stuff? Yeah. Um, personally, I am not a jewelry guy. Never have been. I tried... Um, I don't like washes. They hurt my wrist after a while. They annoy me. Mm. Um, this is like the, the extent of my jewelry. Um, so for me, it's it fits with me with Highland Wear. And it also, I'm, I'm letting my personal opinion color it, but I don't care. Um, the, the plainer, the simpler the outfit is for Highland Wear, generally the better it ends up looking. Um, when people try to do too many things or go too over the top, it tends to detract from the overall look. 
and I will absolutely put jewelry in that category. If I have on full head to toe outfit, and then I want to have on a bracelet on one and a, a wristwatch on one, a bracelet on the other, and I have my gold chain hanging out and having you know, my Super Bowl rings and you know my earrings and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> uh, my gold teeth. Uh, it's Your grill. Yeah, my my grill. Um, it's are are you dissing Snoop? You've always liked Snoop Dogg. Does he have a grill? I don't think he has. No, but he's got the he's got the the the, the knuckle duster ring in it's, that photo that we always show of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got he's got yeah. a lot of jewelry on. It's that's who he is. I'm not like if Mr. T were to wear a kilt, I'm sure he would still wear his <laughs> necklaces as well. And God knows I will not insult Mr. T to his face. I um, okay, that's our Photoshop. Exactly. For today. Uh, the uh, Pitiful doesn't wear jewelry. my clan tie. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, no, for me personally. I'm, I'm, I poo-poo jewelry to a degree. <laughs> Listen, Hamill, I ain't going to do a colliding. You ain't getting me in that fight. <laughs> ain't going to that bore. Uh, Hannibal? <laughs> ain't going to get in no plane, Hannibal. Ain't going to no colliding, Hannibal. I ain't going to no airport, Hannibal. I ain't going to fly with that crazy fool Murdoch. See, if they had had Mr. T, they would have won. That's fair. He would have scared him. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, we digress. Um, obviously, I prefer Steve some jewelry. I think it's a it's the whole context thing for me. It's like I think uh, the more formal it is, or the more you know uh, dignified the gathering is, or the occasion is, the more you go with standard gentleman's traditional accepted jewelry. So cufflinks, watch chain, probably not much else. You know, what I mean, nah, but, but but the more casually you go, the less of an issue I have with jewelry. Um, I am a little more obsessive about mixing metals. So if you have a gold watch and you insist on wearing it with the um, with your Highland attire, especially if it's a formal evening thing and you've got you know a, the silver cantle on your dress sporn and all that kind of stuff, I think it's going to look a little odd. It's going to be a little bit more blingy than I would like. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I don't want to look like John Gotti in a kilt. Um, I don't. Yeah, you know, it's like. The, the 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 wide open collar and the gold chains and the and a kilt I'm not sure would look that great. No. Um, it's kind of common sense. It it really is. It it everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own sense of what it constitutes good taste uh, versus what is opulence. And sometimes opulence is something that you leverage to make a point. So um, if some guy wants to wear a lot of jewelry um, because he's trying to make a point somehow, then I could accept that. Like, uh, I know a lot of guys who will wear a piece of spiritual jewelry. You know, they'll have a, a, a signature piece or two. So, like that, you know, that is meaningful to them, and they wear it with everything. So, I'm not going to say you shouldn't do that. But I do think that the more elegant you want to look, the more you tone it down. Yeah. It's kind of an inverse relationship. Yep. It's, Basically. it's almost counterintuitive, but, mm -hmm. yeah, it just ends up looking better. What's the old rule, uh, you know, uh, for... for I want to say for for women getting dressed, like get dressed, put everything on you want, and then take a few things off. Um, yeah, something, something like that is like put on all the accessories you're thinking about, and then take away two of them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I, I don't know anybody who actually does that, but I don't yeah. wear any jewelry, so like put them all on, take two off. Like I, I'd be down to misgivings. Done. <laughs> Very good. All right, Mr. Mac, do we have anything from the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Twitches? There's uh, there's stuff coming in, so very good. Thank you, boys and girls. Good to know. So we first one we have is uh, Stephen from YouTube asking, any tips on wearing or altering fire EMS class A coat to wear with a kilt? 
Can we? It would depend. Make on sure we're defining what the what are, we're not we're not talking about a turnout coat. We're talking about a dress uniform thing. Yeah, class A. Are they generally yeah, yeah, longer, yeah, yeah. Mac? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know why I was even asking. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, they're like suit jacket length. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, that's why. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, are they double breasted with like the fire department buttons on, or are they single breasted? Fire. Like, it might be like the chief, like may have um, a double breasted, but I think the rest of them are single. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most part, I think they're single breasted. Dress. Well, he's saying dress uniform similar to a suit coat. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So you could do it. I mean, we know people who have done uh, DIY projects of shortening Saxon suit jackets to make them work with a kilt. You're going to run into the same problems that you would with one of those projects, namely the pockets. Um, if the jacket has any kind of pockets, once you shorten the bottom hem of the jacket, your pocket flap's going to be like it's just a few inches above the bottom hem is going to look really weird. Um, a few people can get away with it. It's not easy. Um, I would almost rather you get an Argyle jacket in a color that is appropriate. You know, if it's not black, then, you know, the dark navy and put firefighter themed buttons on it or something. I think that... EMS. You know, yeah. EMS sorry, EMS. Um, yeah, it's... Jacket conversions are weird. You need to be really talented to pull it off. That's my opinion. Yeah, it's, I've, I've seen a few that look fine, um, yeah. but most look a bit dog's dinner. Um, so if it's patch pockets and you can remove the pocket and it's, move it up yeah, but it's not or make a smaller pocket, then maybe um, you'll have a little mm -hmm. bit more luck with that. But if it's not that, if it's a regular welt pocket or like a flap over top of a welt pocket, um, yeah. Yeah, you, it's no. it's the pockets. Less it's so. all it's all about the those pockets. They just they look odd. Yeah. So close to the bottom hem once you cut it down. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of mixing the streams. I'm personally not a big fan of it. If you can afford it, I'd rather have you get a the right jacket for a kilt um, versus not. Yeah. What's up, Mac? Saying his is no pockets at all. No oh. pockets at all. Well, how and much do they how much do they yeah. cost? And do you have a tailor you trust? Yeah. Maybe yeah. you could get away with it. Um, how expensive say, are they? Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Would you do the, the scalloped yeah, front? Yeah, scalloped yeah. to allow to see this born in the front. Right, yeah. right. That would be the other thing. It's supposed to be doing a straight yep. cut across the bottom. Exactly. A, a kilt cut jacket, the, the bottom edge of the jacket should be effectively at or above the, the bottom of the fill. So around the widest part of your rear end or a little bit higher. Um, is effectively where the jacket would come down to in the back. Right. So a regular Saxon wear, a regular suit jacket kind of thing, comes down um, basically a few inches below the bottom of your fingertips when you have your hands at your side, and a regular kilt jacket is going to be right about or an inch or two above where your wrist measurement is on the side of your body. So there's probably an 8-inch difference between a regular suit jacket and a kilt jacket in the body of the jacket itself. Mm -hmm. So. Here's the other question. Is the jacket single vented or double vented? If it's single vented, that's another area where it's going to look really strange. If it's double vented, that's how pretty much all kilt jackets are made. So that will look better. Yes. Max nodding at me. Like, Agreed. Say, okay. yeah. So, hope that helps. Okay. Mr. Eric. You might have a chance. There's no pockets. Yeah. yeah. But the single vent will make the back look a little odd, I think. All right. <clears throat> All right, so 
Gonna go a little more seasonal here. Um, stop me if you heard this one before. Oh, wait, you can't. This is a broadcast. Um, Jonathan King uh, and Canade Sim kind of asked related questions to us about uh, winter wear. Canade uh, was basically saying, hey, you know, we usually have a few questions about casual jacket options. You know, what do you guys recommend? You know, if you're not planning on getting all gussied up, what's a good jacket? We've answered this before, but it's never bad advice. Um, and then Jonathan rounded that out by talking about, um, you know, our wool, how are wool sweaters? Is Do you have to worry about what kind of wool sweater you wear? Um, you know, what jackets work with kilts, of course. And at the top end, how do we feel about Inverness capes? Is that a really good option because it's a very traditional jacket kind okay. of a thing? Or is it too much? What do so, we think about those <clears throat> pesky warmth layers? Yes, yeah, so we're going warmth layers and warmth we're going... Warmth layer revival. Yes. Refresher. So, sweaters with a kilt. Sure. Sure. Um, the I'd say try not to get one that's too, too long or stretched out because right. then it goes down too low or it covers up the, like the front three quarters of the sporn. Um, when I'm wearing a sweater with a kilt, I tend to tuck it behind my sporn so I don't have to worry about it, you know, covering up too much. Mm -hmm. um, and another fact, if I'm wearing a, a sweater with my, with my kilt, I generally don't wear a belt because it's going to cover up the belt anyway, so you don't really need it. Mm -hmm. um, would you agree with that? I would. We do have a, a percentage of people who follow um, the British military uh, style of tucking the sweater in. And so you have the kilt and the belt on the outside. I don't think that looks good on most guys unless you are super well, you know, tight in the abdomen, really skinny. Like if you have you any know. kind of, yeah, you know, if you're- Got if these you're, six pack abs. I'm gonna rip the shirt off and show you. Now the, um, um, yeah, I don't recommend that look unless you really have a military bearing, basically. Um, and then again, also, it's only gonna work well if the sweater is like a traditional Wooly pulley, a military sweater where it's a very tight, very thin, very yeah. thin weave. Um, I own them. I don't tuck them into my kilt. Conversely, some traditionalists will say you should not wear things like an Irish fisherman sweater because it's not technically traditional. It's an Irish thing, not a Scottish thing. Whatever. I I don't care about that. It looks good. It looks good it. with a kilt. They're heck warm, super warm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so those are always a good option. Yeah, and they're they're. Um, for lack of a better term, they're ubiquitous enough now. I mean, mm. like Walmart sells cable knit sweaters for God's sake. They're not good. So, yeah, but... Well, yeah, true. Um, but the yeah, I would I absolutely wear cable knit sweaters with my kilts. Um, I have some Scottish knit ones. I have some Irish knit ones. Yeah. I have just regular like you know less expensive ones. Now I guess those are they're cotton like solid. Do you have any yeah. Faroese? No, I do not have any feral feral. Mm. <laughs> feral, feral sweaters. <laughs> feral sweaters. <laughs> the um, come uh, back, Wooly. No, but uh, yeah, sweaters. Fine with the kill. Next jackets. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he said casual jackets, and I'm assuming he means outerwear, not like yeah. suit jackets. No, or, yeah, or outerwear, tweed jackets. Yep. Um, the we tend to say a shorter jacket will look good with a kilt. So whether it's an Ike style jacket, a bomber jacket, stuff like that. Um, a lot of the military stuff tends to be a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, so those look great because it doesn't cover up as much of the kilt. It's the same kind of uh, mentality as you're with the suit jacket. It's If it covers too much of it, it'll look weird. But if it's a little bit shorter of a jacket, then it'll look good. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that a longer jacket can't look good. Something like a peacoat. 
wear think, a peacoat with mine on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, I would. I, I, a lot of coats are that length. I would not like, but peacoats to kind of give a pass to. Yeah. There's just there's something about they occupy a weird space of their own. They're just they're so yes. blocky and everything. They just they work. Yeah. Um, I do think that you know we we always say bomber jackets in all their various forms work really well. Um, if you want something you know wholly completely practical, I have a a, a duty jacket from Five Eleven. Which uh, which I picked up a couple of years ago, which is basically on a bomber cut, but it's completely waterproof and has a zip-out lining. I like that because it's cut short. Yep, yep. It's yep. designed for cops. Yep. You know, so it's, it's really cut short. So your your gear belt um, uh, is not uh, obs you know obstructed by the by the jacket. So that works really well. Um, so you wear it with your bat Batman costume as well, and you have your utility belt. Yeah. Batarang. Exactly. Exactly. Kiltarang. Yeah. Yeah. In indeed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, Inverness capes. Super expensive. Um, now, they're only, if, you, if you want to get the band spec ones, the ones that bagpipers use to just to keep the rain off their uniforms, okay, that's not a warmth layer. That's just a rain layer. Um, <laughs> it's so warm. It's plastic. Well, yeah, it's warm, but not in a nice way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's warm in a, you know, Overheating those, your body. <laughs> what, I'm imagining those, those silver running suits they used to try and sell oh, to people. Oh, yeah. Where it's while you're jogging, doing housework, Gardening or just lounging around. The, the, you know, the, to loot, the, drop weight. Oh, to meet for oh, like wrestlers or yeah, yeah, so you're yeah, so you're you're running down the sidewalk like a baked potato. I mean in, in foil, it's just <laughs> It's sweat pouring off your face. <laughs> they should make them with a hood. With your so all you see is just like you know. Well, Inverness capes do you know, bank spec capes do come with a hood. That's true. Well Yeah. They can. Separate, yeah, yeah. But I yeah, I mean but that's like that's like a plastic windbreaker kind of level of Yeah. Yeah. Warmth. It's I keep mean, rain off. It's it. Yeah, it's exactly keep it rain off when you have no other choices. A yeah. a proper wool Inverness cape. They're gorgeous. Um, I don't personally care for them with a kilt that much. For the record, for those of you who don't know, Inverness cape. It, think of like Sherlock Holmes. Right. It is a long trench coat kind of length cape with or uh, coat with a cape off the shoulders right. and you don't no have sleeves. sleeves it's just big basically armholes that come out underneath the cape right um it's so, designed for shooting yeah it's designed for hunting basically. yeah it's, it's it's a great freedom of motion but it's and it's when it's done in wool it can be very very warm they're very nice very attractive very yeah. classic looking um i don't mind it um but it's not like you can just you know roll into your local inverness cape store and buy one off the shelf right. often Right. Um, they're very much a specialty kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we've done a couple in the past, but not many because mm -hmm. they're really freaking expensive. Like, yeah. We had like, a... What, 500 or oh, like more? Like five or six. Yeah, because yeah, you're using you know yeah. tweed fabric or black barathea for a dress one and that kind of stuff. So you can wear it. It'll look good with the kilt. If you're going into a you know black tie event, you can get a black barathea one. What? But what? No. For out... No? Oh, you mean just like rolling up on the red carpet out of your limo? Yeah, and then you I take mean it like off. from the car I mean, okay. to the door. Okay. Or to, to the inside. That's I'm not wearing it to the whole thing. That's an investment for making an entrance. Yes. So you whip it out whoosh, like Zorro sounds like, hello, yeah. I am here. You know. Exactly, so, James yeah. Brown. <laughs> That's when you leave. <laughs> I, I can't take no more. I can't. Oh, I can't, can't take no more. <laughs> the uh... <laughs> Too much whiskey. I can't take no more. Now, it, they're cool, but it's, again, it's... um. I'm an eccentric, so I'm not judging, but they are definitely an eccentric thing. They are definitely a foggy kind of a thing. Um, it's funny you mentioned Sherlock Holmes because they, when they came out with the uh, the uh, the Holmesian tartan, the people who had it woven, they did a model shoot with a guy right. and they made him a kilt and uh, a matching set, uh, and they did an Inverness cape 
and a Deerstalker cap all in the tartan. It's it's pretty intense. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. I just, I don't know, sometimes I think that an Inverness cape looks good with a kilt. Other times I feel like the length of the cape and where the, the, the kilt, the bondage of the kilt stop, they're so close together it just kind of almost competes in my mind. You look like a flasher. You look like a flasher. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. But it's kind of like will, if you close the cloak, then you well, look... Well, not being yeah. a flasher, but, but I'll, I'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they look awesome when they're flowing out behind. You know, they, they're very dashing. Yeah, one, but, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's... Uh, it's not, a bit much. It's a bit much. Indeed. If you have the scratch... Sure. Enjoy. Yeah. But, Spend all your money on dumb stuff. We'll tell you. But I would stick with... I mean, um, but modern nylon bomber jackets, uh, leather jackets are fine, usually. We'll say, yeah. Um, they're Casual, all good. maybe a jeans jacket with like the, with the the the, the yeah. quilted lining or something. I have a like black. If it's I have like a... really casual, yeah. Um, or like a Carhartt jacket that's quilted or something. Max nodding his head. I've over definitely there. seen guys wear Carhartt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Indeed. But that's basically it. Yeah. Is there anything to add there, Mister Mac? No, you brought up about the Carhartt, which we had a couple people saying about that. Um, Can't beat them, really. Yeah, it's the only. Uh, and somebody else asked about uh, sweaters being. Uh, do they make the sweater shorter because they don't like to roll them up at the bottom or get bunched up at the bottom? I, I know some people I don't think they like do. that. Some people don't. Yeah. So. I don't think they really make <clears throat> kilt cut sweaters. Yeah, it's there's there's generally not like a a a, a tall a tall and you know tall guy's sweater and a short guy's sweater. Um, I know uh, Lucas. Used to wear a sweater that was longer. He loved the sweater, but it was a little bit long, so he'd end up like rolling it up, and it would just kind of like rest on top of his sporin kind of level. So yeah. he made it work. But it's yeah, if you're a shorter dude, then it's uh, you're gonna kind of have to do what you do to make it work. Get your nan to knit one for you, and then you can specify. Um, I was gonna say the uh, the other the other secret weapon is with all this is that uh, the shorter jacket could be a lighter jacket if you have a scarf. Traditional piece of, of warm foil that a lot of people in America tend to eschew eschew eschew. eschew. Yeah. Um, so unless they're actors, I, it's funny because I know I've known actors who actually do that. They like always have the scarf to protect their voice. But um, no, a tartan scarf or even a, 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 a generic pattern like Tweety earthy tone kind of scarf gives you that extra little bit of warmth and it's uh, it looks pretty cool so i use it to hide all the hickeys mm. yeah. from when you're swinging yeah, exactly got it okay running gag nobody who watches the clips will get it <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch the whole show guys <clears throat> all right boys and girls mr mac was that you or is that eric oh that was me that's you mr mac next one now the only other question i have on this is with the Inverness cape, do you, does it automatically come with a bubble pipe, or do you have to purchase your own bubble pipe? That's a very personal <laughs> choice of bubble pipe. Yeah. I was gonna go corn cob. Corn cob. Yeah. Or like or the big. Old it needs to be the big, like horn, like looking thing. I will see you with a MacArthur uh, <laughs> corn cob pipe, big giant. Gosh, I'm not compensating for everything. Anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to compensate, Eric. I'm swinging. Uh, Enough. Uh, MacArthur right. was totally compensating with that pipe. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Mr. Mac. All righty. So our friend from the west, west meaning the Cleveland area, Sean Smith. Hey, Sean. What's up? 
would like to know, can Tweed be custom designed like custom tartans? Yeah. That's how estate Tweeds are developed. Um, originally, estate Tweeds are, I'm not sure how they registered them, but to be honest, but they do keep a record of them. And each estate has a Tweed, which is what they would outfit the uh, the gameskeepers and the, the ghillies in. Yeah. So yes, there is such a thing as custom Tweeds. How you would acquire one and how much it would cost, I have no clue. I know they exist, but I'm yeah. not sure how you would acquire one being a person here in the States. Yeah, it's... There's no, like, tweed design program, so we'll start there. The, um... And it's, if it's herringbone, I'm trying to... I'm going through the, the, the issue that I have mentally with the tweeds. Like, yes, yeah, somebody has to design tweeds, so obviously something yeah. can be done. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it would cost. Um, the other issue becomes, um, outside of cost becomes viewing it because tweeds generally have a nice earthy feel and, and texture visual mm -hmm. visual texture to it um and the herringbone pattern uh, or the chevrons if, if you will um will will they, they're like different colors mixed so the warp and the weft can be different so how could you look at it long <clears throat> distance yeah so it's, yeah i don't know how how to mock it up i know sean and I know he's already planning it, and he's like, oh, yep. he already has his email yep. open. Rocky, you need to have a, a uh, tweet yep. designer so I can yep. go on there. I'm yep. going to buy 87 dip yeah, It's I know you, Sean. Um, so it's the issue is going to become uh, showing a visual representation of it before it is woven without having to spend all the money to see if you like it or not. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times it's two different colors mixed. So, yeah, it's... It's an interesting concept. It is an interesting concept. Think about that. I, I think, yeah, I think usually, again, estate tweeds are designed in a very personalized process. It's a very much a bespoke kind of a thing. And so the person who's commissioning the tweed, um, they're probably choosing something they want based on samples they've already seen. Saying, oh, I like the one they used over in Abernathy, and uh, I like this one from, you know, from, from this estate really well. Can you do something like that? And then the tweed designer says, okay, sure. And they probably weave a sample. Or something like that, but you're talking about enough tweed to outfit the staff of a of a large gaming estate. Yeah. So that's. Sean's that's, that's talking about enough tweed to outfit himself. Yeah, which means the cost would go whoop. You know, regardless. But. Yeah. So Sean, email me. I will happily take all of your money, and learn at your expense. It'd be fun. And not to not to disparage Sean as no, a, no, as, no. A man of, Sean. as a man of fashion and 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 a graceful persnicketiness. But how persnickety do you want to be? There are, there are hundreds of really beautiful tweeds out there. Um, I don't think it's hard to find one that you like, in my opinion, or even several. I mean, you have, I own like three or four different tweeds. How many do you have in your collection? Yeah, enough. Yeah, just basically to go <laughs> with the enough. tartan, you know. So yeah. it's, uh, <clears throat> it's not hard to find ones that you like. If, if you're interested in tweed, I think you can find something that will match whatever your particular tartan is or whatever your style is without too much trouble. Yeah, but there, there's a lot of tweeds, or tweeds don't necessarily go to match tartans, uh, going beyond what we're talking they, about. They can. Yeah, but... they, they they happen to right. more than more than most. Right. Um, but there's a lot of them that are browns and grays and like greenish gray or greenish browns or yellowish brown, tan kind of colors. Hunting colors. Yeah, that yeah. that go better for hunting or for estates than they do to match tartans. Um, so if he's looking for something like that or it's there's if the majority of them are that but he's looking for something to match a kilt then that may be why he's trying to do this is sean like that. we're talking about i am assuming that he is planning on 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 figuring out the the, the design of tweed he wants and then ordering a tweed kilt a tweed jacket kit, a tweed vest, jacket enough for his hat curtains. 
Yeah, hat. Inverness cloak. He's gonna do a sofa plus in fours. It. Yep. Yeah, and and seat covers for his car. Yep. Which I'm pretty exactly. sure is a Jaguar. Right, right, Sean, you drive a drag. And just put it on his walls, and bed cover. Just wrap himself up in it. Straight jacket. Exactly. Coffin yeah. liner. It's gonna get enough for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Let us know, Sean. <laughs> Hope that helps. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Eric. It is an interesting question. Now I want to <laughs> research. Is. Yeah. I want to research. Uh, I never thought about it. I've always seen, I've seen documentation, you know, very romanticized uh, documentaries about estates and how they operate. It's like, yes, well, the tweed that we ordered for, you know, his lordship is is yeah. green. And we we were very proud to outfit all the gillies last year. Yeah, you know, but they don't talk about the process of how the design was developed. Yeah. There was so a, I'd like to know. A, what's the company named? Campbell Abuley or Campbell, something like Campbell, that? Campbell, yeah. Um, yes. There's a company, yes. I believe it's in the Highlands, mm -hmm. um, who's done a whole lot yes. of estate tweeds and stocks them for different estates in their area. Um, so it's it has to, it it is done. I've just never explored the process. So that's actually one of the cool things about this show is you guys asking us stuff that we don't know the answers to. So mm -hmm. now we got to look into it. Yep. Since we're talking about colors and tweeds and things, Jonathan King asked us, should you or could you wear tartans based on the season? Jonathan King. Oh. He's the one who gave it to us. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's swinging. Now I'm embarrassed. I'm not. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, John. Um, now we're going to answer your question. Where was I? Not because you gave us scotch. This is gonna, it is actually out. More than one Jonathan coincidental. King. Um... Should you or could you wear tartans based on the season, like brown and orange tartans for fall, color tartans, you know, cooler tartans for winter, or lighter greens for spring? Is that a thing people do, or could you do it? Could you do it? Sure. Do people do it? Sure. How many? How often though? Um, depends on how many kilts you own. Yeah, real serial kilters, I suppose. Yeah, would if you have eventually. one kilt, then that's the kilt you wear, no matter what the season is. Um, if you have multiple kilts, I would say. Sure, you can you can start getting into a, a a fall mood, a spring mood, a summer mood, whatever. Um, winter, I'll include all the seasons. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's mud, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but yeah, it's I have I have brighter colored tartans that I'm I'm more drawn to in the spring. I have you know uh, softer you know pastelly kind of ones that I'm more drawn to in the fall. So it's you know seasons affect us more. Than I think some people realize, realize. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, your mood, whether it's music, like there's music that I listen to more in the summer than I do in the winter. Like I'll listen yeah, we'll to more ska music in the summertime because it's yeah. upbeat and happy and yep. springtime and that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's, there's, there's seasonality to everything. So yeah, there's seasonality to clothing and colors for clothing as well. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's not so much a codified thing for sure. Um, it's not something I've seen people do as a matter of custom. Um, or even consistently, like I could still decide to wear a dark gray and red and brown tartan in June, just because it suits my mood. Yeah. But are you more likely to just even, like you said, subconsciously gravitate towards something that feels more seasonal? Sure. And if you're going to like, let's say you're going to an Easter service at your church, um, then you may decide to go for a brighter color. If you're going to a holiday party for your office, red you may green. decide to yeah. go for something that has red and green in it. Yep. Um, you might decide to wear maple leaf. It's hard not to want to wear maple leaf in October or November, you know? Yep. It's made for it. Just like you could say Isle of Sky. That when is you made said for the Easter. Spring. Yep. Yeah. When there you said you Easter, I thought Isle of Sky or Taylor Ancient or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Bax nodding his head over there like, yep. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely like 
moods and tartans that will reflect certain moods or certain seasons and things like yep. that. So yeah, it's it's a thing. It's not something, as you said, that is codified, that is that is consciously necessarily done, yeah. but it, it's I know it I happens. do it. Yeah, yeah, I know I do it on a regular basis. It is a it is definitely a first world problem. You know, <laughs> let's face it, a lot of us only own like maybe two or three kilts, you know, so whatever. Uh, in that case, you can play around with accessories if you wanted to play with a color. I would say if you're curious about it, don't be afraid to try. Um, another thing we run into a lot is that guys are raised not to think about their clothes. They're raised not to think about coordinating colors or anything like that. It's not considered manly. And you're not supposed to care about how you look. You know, I've just got, got my cargo shorts, i got my t-shirt, I'm good to go. If you want to explore colors, go ahead and explore colors. Start with accessories rather than a whole new kilt, maybe. You know, but, um, but go for it. It's yeah. fun. No, it's one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, that you kind of touched on right there. When guys come into the store and they're getting a kilt for the first time, it's it's fun and funny and amusing and all of it to see somebody get excited about clothing for the first time. And one yeah. of the comments I get from, from wives, you know, on a regular basis is like, I've never seen this man get excited about clothing before. Yeah. He wears a black t-shirt and blue jeans every day of his life, right. and now he's excited about color? What the hell did you do to my husband? So it's it's amusing to watch guys get excited about this stuff and kind of like, oh, I can do that. And just kind of like the light switch goes on. Yeah. So Unleash yeah. the inner peacock. Yeah. <laughs> Unleash the peacock. It really, but it is, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm belaboring the point, but it's something that we've gotten away from to some degree in modern society and in Western society, whereas it is very traditional and very tribal to show your wealth, your power, your status, and your pride through fancy clothes. That's why we, you know, that's why you look in on that's the web and his, yeah. That's why fashion exists. That's why traditional that's garments why, exist. So. That's why peacocks have the feathers. It's why birds puff out their chest and the, you know, the the cardinal, the right. red cardinal is a male and the brown one's a female because the guys are just like, oh, I need a mate. Um, but, but I'm waiting for Tom's gonna, not, Tom's gonna but, chop all these quotes into one Easter egg <laughs> for the end of this show with a freaking swing bottle, and it's gonna be embarrassing as hell. I need a mate. <laughs> oh man, heavens. Um, yes, indeed. Heaven, I hope that answered the question, kind of. I think it did. But yeah, absolutely. Get out there, try it, do it. Match your colors to the season, to your mood, to your hair. Sure. Who cares? To what your do wife what you is wearing. Do. Yeah. Yeah, have fun with it. Have fun, exactly. It's why you're life's doing it. Life's too short. Life's too short not to. Indeed. Hopefully li my life is long, but yes, life in general. Mr. Mac. I'd beat you to it. Mr. Mac. <laughs> well, one thing we haven't done yet is talked about the tartans we're all wearing. Ooh, so what true. tartans are y'all wearing? So what do you have on back there behind the cameras today, Mr. Oh, Mac? I've got County Down on today. County Down. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Very fall. Okay. And it was it a is. conscious it decision is. or a subconscious decision. He's got the pumpkin shirt on, so it was um, it was ironed. <laughs> <laughs> right, practicality wins out in the end. Okay. Indeed, indeed, Mr. That. Eric. Look at that. I have the uh, much admired, long sought after, no longer available Scruffy Wallace tartan. It's one of my favorites. Love this. Yes, and I have on the Shaw Ancient tartan. Um, I just really like it. My wife has Shaw in her family lineage so that's cool yeah i like it I like joy nice i was, I was playing a little little complex a few colors interplay there but 
not too bad. Something how we're, we're a little more matchy matchy than usual today. We're yes. The, the buckles and we our, are the totes blues adorbs. And the black. Yeah. Totes adorbs. Yeah. yeah. Eat twinsies. Mm -hmm. I almost gothed out for the show because it's October, but I decided not to this morning. Get my little devil horns. Beep beep. Oh, we got those in Photoshop at least. Uh, oh, fair. you got you got them on the nice. on the the screen. Excellent. All right, Mr. Mac. All right, so we have <clears throat> Coffin M. James from Facebook asking, thoughts on the overkilt? The overkilt. Yes. Can he elaborate on what he means by overkilt? I don't there's know. A couple I different was ways figuring I that you guys knew what he was <laughs> Well, my no first idea. thought is the, the World kilt, War II? A, the World War One kilt apron. That's where I was thinking of, like an apron yeah, um, yeah. Um, or a kilt cover. I know that there are, yeah, I know that there are kilt covers in plastic that some people have used to keep rain off and I know there's the... I'm just thinking I'm picturing like grandma's couch now like <laughs> the, the plastic cover right. well it's funny because if you look at like hiking rain rain skirts there are these plastic bag things with tie, tie strings you can like yeah. keep your bottom half of yourself dry See, what, and it's basically you, a plastic skirt to go yeah, over your and when you do shorts, that you but, end up sweating your butt off anyway so you, you, you soak the clothes from the inside yeah, out yeah, your, the mi outside your mileage may vary Yeah, but I'm not sure what he means Yeah. So other than that um, the to Max's point, the 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 only overkilt I can think of is actually a kilt apron, which was used by the troops during World War One to keep their kilts relatively um, unmarred by physical labor out in the field. And it's basically a canvas cover with a um, either a, it had a separate pocket or just a slit pocket to right go through. And to it was a pocket on the front. It wasn't canvas. It was actually a cotton. Oh, sorry. What was it? It was a cotton. It was a, a cotton. cotton or a late linen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. There you go. From the reenactor's mouth. Had a mouth. couple. Had a couple pleats, like real, real shallow. Oh, they were real like, shallow, like, real, real wide, yeah. Real shallow, yeah. real wide pleats in the yeah. back, and it was just basically, it wrapped around the kilt kind of like a bath towel, and then tied with like two or three ties. Three ties the on, the, on the side, yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it had a big old uh, pocket in the front, like could have like, uh, tr not triangular, but like square with a it triangle was, on the bottom. It was like an acorn shape. Yeah. Yep. Now, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, let us know in the comments. We are... Um, We've been meaning to do a, uh, a, sh a show, yeah, with Mac, uh, going over the various parts of a World War One kilted uniform. Uh, we just have not been able to do it because we've been swamped with uh, other projects everything. this year. Yeah, everything. Kilts. Um, little, but uh, little. let us know if you're interested. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Little, little, you know, but if, he, if, he, if he can elaborate on what he means by a kilt cover, maybe we can be more helpful. But Indeed. Yeah. All right. In the Mr. meantime. Eric, do another one. All right. I'm gonna do this. We're just, I'm just gonna have a little fun with this now. Okay. Crazy, get crazy, get crazy. All right, let them swing, Eric. We've had a. I'm gonna ignore that. We've had a few people ask us about seasonal questions, seeing as Halloween's coming up. Uh, but the one I found the most amusing was Doogie Doug, who said, hypothetically, if the headless horseman. We're going for a traditional look. Where would he put his cap badge? He's got no head. Therefore, no hat. Therefore, catastrophic wardrobe fail. Also, would he wear gillies or simply brogued riding boots? Should he wear a fly plate with a Jacobite shirt? Could he draw a smiley face on a haggis and fasten that on top as a temporary head so he could wear his cap badge? How would you... <laughs> kilted, kilted headless horseman. Didn't he carry... Like a, a pumpkin or something? No. What did he, didn't he carry a head or no? What am I thinking? Or just I have an answer, but I'm waiting. No. Okay. Kilted headless horseman. All right. Where would he put his cap badge? I 
I like the idea of the haggis on the head. Um, haggis with a face drawn on it. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, but then he wouldn't be the headless horseman. He'd be the haggis horseman. <laughs> Throwing flaming haggises. <laughs> People. Hag <laughs> is, it, is it haggises or haggai? Haggai. Haggai. Yeah. Yeah. Flaming haggai. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Where are you going to go with it? Well, Doogie, if that is your real name. Dig Dug. Dig Dug. It's a moot point because, as we all know, the Headless Horseman is based upon the Irish death spirit known as the Dulhan. And being traditionally Irish, he would not be a part of a kilting tradition because that didn't happen in Ireland until the 19th century. So he wouldn't be kilted, so he wouldn't wear a cap badge. Ah, Yeah! <laughs> Got he! Mmm! <laughs> Take that, Dig yep. Dug. Huh. I don't know. I would say I would say he would just use a cap badge as a brooch. Just put it right here. Yeah. Or he would take the cap badges of his victims. That's make cool. make a necklace out of it, like Predator, or a, like or a bone or necklace. Or like a bandolier. Yes. Or like Ooh, on his baby. cloak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, okay. That, I like that. Okay, like what that. else would he okay. wear? So, bandolier of cap badges of dead Scots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Getting more to <clears throat> That's um, Halloween. Um, indeed. Let's see, what's else? Um, Gilly Brogues, nah, I think it'd be riding boots. Definitely be riding boots. Yeah. Um, I think I'd give him a great kilt. Okay. For sure. Um, like Eddie from, you know, little Iron Maiden Eddie. Yeah, the, yeah, the Highlander, the Highlander Island. album. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. yep. Well, I think, but he could keep a head inside the, inside his great kilt yeah, yeah. in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. Or okay. if he's like scooping up a baby, he could like scoop up a child and stuff it into his kilt. In there, you know, as you do, riding, you know, as you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, weapons. I was, I was just going there. I would, I would recommend a uh, a lockabrax rather than a broadsword because a broadsword is not really a saber. It's not really a mounted man's weapon. It's a fort footman's. Yeah, I was gonna say he's on a horse. Lockabrax so isn't either. But the idea of this yeah. giant guy on a horse with a lockabrax just coming in and scything you down, or okay. hooking you and dragging you behind the horse with a lockabrax hook. That'd be I'm, pretty BA. See, I was going to go back to, like, Satchel of Flaming Haggis, or Haggai. That's, <laughs> that's the weapon of choice. Okay. Exploding okay. Flaming Haggai. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay. Flat blade. Like, attached at both shoulders to make it a cape. Mm -hmm. you know, and flying out the back. It's yeah. not very scary noise. Yes, that's the cape, that's the that. cape noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to work whiskey into it somehow. We could have done the your uh, your old BS story. Of uh, the the fly plate as a weapon. Oh, that. Yes. Oh, exactly. sure. Psh. Yeah. He says the whip with yeah. the uh, the plate brooch on the yes, end. Yes, that was a, that was the, the you know the, the my original BS story was uh, not true at all. Yeah, the fly plate was actually a a uh, a convention um, not convention it was a field alteration of a great kilt used by Highland troops that they could basically you know take the fly plate off and they had these very heavy brooches at the time and they would sometimes pack the end of the fly plate with rocks. And they swing it and use it as a as a whip, like a like a like a, a cudgel kind of a weapon, like a giant blackjack. Whoosh. Um, alternately, the other thing they would do is you would uh, uh, take the severed heads of your enemies that you killed and wrap them up in the fly plate, so it was like a, a bag for carrying yeah. heads home. And Hobos. that is yes, yeah. and yeah, and that is exactly why you have red in so many traditional old tartans because it basically the blood just soaked into the wool, 
and so naturally dyed all the tartan red, and that's where red tartans really came from. He got way too excited about that answer way too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. I do. Indeed. Okay. For those who haven't seen it yet, we did do a, a video, uh, I think it was last week I aired it, um, first of the month we aired it, uh, on Irish uh, fake creatures, and the Dullahan was one of the ones in there. So my nice. personal favorite. I love the Dullahan. Yeah, there's a lot of really, really cool uh, you know, Celtic and you know, Irish and Scottish spooks, monsters and all that kind of Spooks and boggins yes. and all that good stuff. Yep. Indeed. All right, Mr. Mac. All right, so the overkilt. Oh, we think we think the 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 people at home. No, have no, a, I know, no. You know, you know where we're going. <laughs> oh, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. He doesn't mean the boxer kilt, does he? No, no. He means okay. overalls. He, yes, with a kilt. Oh, so like the oh. Rocky ju like it just hit little, him. little girl's jumper. Was this dude trolling us form. the whole time and I took it seriously? <laughs> yes. I got yes. totally pwned. Indeed. I think he's... Damn. He, he wanted to see my, my vitriol and anger <laughs> a la the half kilt. Okay. Um, okay. With the, the, All right. the overkill. Point to you. Point to you, sir. Yes. So for those who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, congratulations. I'm sorry I'm about to put this vision in your brain. <laughs> um, the, the overkilt was... I don't even know who made it. Did somebody say who made it? Damn near killed him. Damn near killed him. Okay. Of course. They made a, a thing, and I use the term thing <laughs> even loosely, where it was a kilt meets overalls meets white hot death. Um, the, uh, yeah. So wait, wait, wait. You're saying it's like a kilt with like a bib and straps? Yes. Yep. So it's basically a jumper. Yep. It is a little five-year-old girl's jumper. I, I know it's yep. going to be hard to see, Eric, but. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's... Uh, oh. Is it for carpenters? Is it, like, for uh, working I, guys? Potentially. I mean, it's for guys who don't want to meet... It's got, like, pockets for rulers and... It's for guys who don't want to meet girls. <laughs> it's... Oh, it is... Uh, yeah. That's something. No, no. It's... No, please. Please stop. <laughs> I would sooner wear the, the hybrid kilt and lederhosen we came up with last month. Than, than that. It's not far. It's not off. It's not far off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Far off. Oh <laughs> uh, wow. At least you have an excuse, and I use the term excuse to like cross the heritage. This, it's like you're crossing Farmer Bill with Scotland. <laughs> it's oh. Mac Bob the Builder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. at, like pinstripe, like like the like a train conductor's. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Conductor's hat. Yeah, there we go. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Little coal mm -hmm. smudges, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No, no. Please stop. Please stop screwing things up. Not everything. Just because you can think it <laughs> doesn't mean it should right. exist. <laughs> yeah. They were because too busy. you can do a thing. Yeah. Doesn't were, mean you should. They were too, bu too busy wondering could they do a thing to stop and ask. Da David do. Tate is saying Farmer Bill has heritage too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. <laughs> no, no, no. Quoting no. there. All right. Well, we will. Let's, let's. We'll move on from that. So Please. we get. We'll get ready for the. You won that round. Let's we're gonna get on. ready for the. Ta -da 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 
Hey, our ambassador this time around is the incomparable Mr. Scott Sanders. In 2019, Scott became uh, one of our moderators on our Kilts and Culture Facebook group. But for him, it was a banner year for other reasons. That was actually also the year he started his home business of making Celtic wear for dogs. Hence, as you're looking at our montage here, uh, all the all the pups in the pictures. Um, Scott and his wife got into that business. Uh, it's called Angus. Was it uh, AngusAttire.com? Just started that. If you're curious about it, check it out. Now, on the more general heritage side, besides being entrepreneurier, entrepreneurier, entrepreneurial, <laughs> entrepreneurial. Uh, Scott's been into kilting since about 2011. He got married in a black watch kilt. That was his first ever. Uh, he's now up to about 14, and he's able to kilt up basically every like three or four days a week. So he's totally a serial kilter. He's in it to win it. And he, as you can also tell from the photos we were showing, uh, Scott's very highly involved with his clan society. Um, his heritage is very, very mixed. He gave me a list of like, I think it's like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven clans as well as three or four Welsh no like six different Welsh families that his heritage is bonded to so he's got he's got the the multi the multi-kelt thing going on multi-kelt um, but he is most active with clan McAllister that's his primary interaction and he goes to at least uh, four festivals a year to represent the clan there and try to boost their their in interest in it and he uh, just recently also became the editor of their national newsletter Nice. So that's a. I'm assuming that's purely digital. You can you can correct me if it's not, but um, I think it's kind of like he's got helium hand. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Um, but basically, I like as usual. He had some inspiring things to say. Um, he expressed to me the fact that his his heritage became much more important to him after his parents passed away, because it's given him this sense of connection to them, to his grandparents, and then all the way back basically to, you know, as far as his family line goes and just that, how enriching that is. And uh, he loves kilts and he loves what he does with the clan because it's a chance for him to teach people um, about Celtic culture in general, about their own heritage, and to share a piece of himself. Basically his, his family history, his personal story. Um, and he loves kilts because it combines all of that into one single garment. You have the confidence, you have the family heritage, you have the personal style, all that in one thing. Uh, his advice for newbies is give yourself the opportunity to experience the freedom of expressing your heritage your family and your confidence and yourself all at once the good vibes far outnumber the bad and in a very short time you will become confident and will walk with pride he says it's all about family yep so absolutely so great guy slancha slancha yep no scott's a great guy um when we uh uh needed a moderator for the Kilts and Culture group. He was one of those even-handed, very, very level-headed, very nice, very positive type of guys. So he's, yeah. you know, thankfully one of our mods. He's a very nice individual. Love him to death, mm -hmm. Mr. Scott. I think the... I can't say I would personally dress up my dog in Tartan, but I know a lot of people are into it. Oh, yeah. So I hope the business does well. Yeah, me too. So if you have a dog and you need a kilt for your dog or a handkerchief or, you know, a blanket or that kind of stuff, go check out his website. Um, what's the website again? AngusAttire.com. AngusAttire.com. They, they do everything from just like a kerchief to go around the neck all the way up to a mock Prince Charlie outfit. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. how far do you want to go? Dude, yeah. people want their dogs like ring bear, bringing the ring down the aisle, yeah, all I've kinds of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they're not weird, just, you know, it's stuff to bring the dog as a member of the family into the thing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. Pets are important. Yeah. 
actually. And very important to Highland Celtic culture too. Yeah, and, and him supporting the uh, uh, the clan society and stuff like that is awesome as well. It's we you know yeah part of you know, spoiler alert part of the uh, the show that we're doing next next uh, we're premiering next Friday. Right. Um, we talked to some of the members of the clan society, so stick around for the end of this show where we give a preview of that. Um, so yeah, absolutely supporting the clan societies and supporting. Um, people that want to help you get in touch with your heritage is absolutely important because it helps keep it moving forward. Yep. Yep. You got to put the work in. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Indeed. Thank you. Is it my turn or Max's turn now? Max's turn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're still lost in the yeah. the overkilt thing. All right. So we have Chris. Freaking overkill. Chris says they've been losing weight, a lot of weight lately, 70 pounds to date, which is amazing. I think I found it all, but yeah, um, wow. I need to go that direction. Um, anyway, and the kilts he currently have, uh, he's purchased about 15, 20 pounds ago. They are starting to get a little loose, even with a belt. Uh-huh. Is there a quick and easy way to alter them to make them fit better? Sure. Um, to alter a kilt, the, the, the quick and dirty way to do it. Um, the Depending on how many inches you've lost and what... Uh, the way you, the way I describe it best is the percentage of the kilt that you have lost. If you are a, let's say, 60-inch waist and you lose 8 inches and you're down to 52-inch waist, you can move the straps and buckles and they'll still be kind of proportionate. If you are 38 and you go down to a 30, it's more like it's time for a new kilt. Um, right. So it depends on what the percentage is. I haven't exactly worked it out in the numbers, but yeah. The... Uh, uh, if you want to just uh, get back into the kilt to be able to use it again, wear it again, you know, go out, live your life, I would say take it to a tailor or you can even do this yourself. It's honestly not that hard. You take off the two buckles on the right-hand side of the kilt and the single strap that goes through the hole on the left-hand side of the kilt and you shift them all, you know, if you're looking down, you shift them all clockwise um, and reattach them. So if you lose, let's say, six inches, Take these two buckles, move them six inches towards the, you know, towards the pleated section, not towards the under apron, and take the strap that's on the under apron and move it backwards six inches as well. That will adjust your kilt six inches down. Hmm. So it's it's a reasonably easy fix. Um, it'll take a tailor or dry cleaner with a tailoring service 10, 15 minutes to do. I mean, it should it should cost you 20 bucks. It's not that big of a deal. Now you do reach a point where it's no longer effective. Correct. Yeah. If you if you're a, again if you're like a let's say you're a 45 inch waist and you lose 10 inches, so you're down to a 35. Now you have more of your your front apron going around to the you know to your butt versus just staying around half the waist of your body. So if you lose too much weight, it's either a major reconstruction, and it depends on how the kilt was constructed originally whether you can reconstruct it or not and or B, getting a new kilt. Um, right. A major reconstruction, depending on who you ask or who you go to, could cost a few hundred dollars, um, depending on the amount of time and labor involved in it. So at that point, you are, it, for my money, I'm unless it has like crazy sentimental value, it was your great-grandfather's kilt and that kind of thing. Um, if it's just a kilt you happen to buy that happened to fit your old measurements and there's no real sentimental value attached, for my money, it's easier to sell that kilt on eBay and purchase a new kilt to celebrate your new skinnier you versus trying to 
re you know take apart and put back together an existing kilt. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's uh, we've told people that for years. It's uh, but it is definitely a measure twice, cut once kind of a thing. I mean, it's a buckle move, so if you do mess it up, it's not hard to refix. Yeah, but, you just put them back on. Um, you know, wrap the kilt around yourself in chalk with a piece of chalk, uh, where or even tape where you, the straps are finally ending up, and then you can see easily where to move the buckle to. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not that hard. Now, would you say that's something, that's a case also where a person could decide to dispense with using the hip strap? Sure. Well, it's personal preference, I guess, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, you can take the hip strap off, you can take the hip buckle off. Um, it's more of a uh, an appearance thing than it, too much of a functionality thing when it actually comes to closing the kilt and making it fit on your body. Um, most people expect it to be there, which is why it's there on most kilts. Um, but it's not something that needs to be. Would that help with the fit if you're going to lose weight? Sure, to some degree. Um, and you may you may still have to move a belt loop or something, mm -hmm. um, but it helps disguise the fact that you've moved things. Right. Because um, your right. your top strap is generally covered up with a belt. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yep. yep. Good luck with it. Yeah, it's not that tough. Don't worry. If you take it to a tailor, or don't worry about taking it to a tailor because it's not... A, a major thing that they're going to screw up. As, as long as they can use a seam ripper, then they're fine. Cool. Indeed. All right. All right, Mr. Eric. My turn? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> All right, we're veering into culture a little bit here. Be warned. I think this one will actually generate some interesting discussion in the comments, too. Um, Jeff Fawcett, a while ago, uh, and we saved this question until now because it's closer year-wise, uh, to the holidays. With the holidays coming up, he asked, how can you incorporate Highland traditions, both modern or ancient, into your holiday celebrations? He says, um, my family is a mix of Norse heathen, agnostic, and Christian. Currently, we do a Yule log, and we do straw goats, and we do a Christmas tree. He's wondering what other kinds of things can he do to Celtic up his uh, <coughs> holidays. We'll break this into wearing, and then, uh, you know, uh, decorating. Oh, it's all about clothes for you, isn't it? Okay. I'm a clothes horse. Okay. Um, I'm a culture the, horse. Exactly. The um, uh, for the the family event and that kind of thing. Well, it, the clothes one's going to be quick. Wear something that's holiday colored. Done with LED lights. Exactly. You remember the time ugly we did those Christmas sweaters? Sweater. Yep. We did the ugly Christmas sweaters. I had one that actually lit up. We review shortbread. Ho ho ho. We weren't on show. We gotta do that. It's horrible. Yes, yeah. indeed. It's pretty pretty horrible. I still love it. I only have one though. I got my flyers one. That's it. Anyway. Yeah, that's sorry. Cool. Um, so for around the house, what do we do for Celtic holiday season? I was gonna talk about customs and traditions, so why don't you talk about decoration? Because I think I know where you okay. want to go okay. with it. So why don't okay. you lead off with some decorations on? All right. I'll dovetail on it. Um well, uh, I'm I'm gonna focus on tree and food settings right so tree one you can do tartan tree skirt you can do tartan christmas stockings over the uh you know on the mantle or hanging from the mantle you right. can do uh tartan bows hanging from the tree you know they, they sell those at you know a lot of the you know, cvs and that kind of stuff around the holidays uh -huh. um i've seen people take long skinny strips of tartan and wrap it around the tree like garland um, so okay. that's something you could potentially do. Um, you could add some Celtic ornaments to the tree. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, Thomas the Tank Engine is British, so maybe a little Thomas the Tank Engine going around <laughs> the bottom. Um, yeah. I just love the theme. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else tree-related. Those are the only ones that kind of jumped out to me. Okay. Um, should I jump in? Are you sure. jumping out so I'll are jump you, in? Are you going tree or are you going completely different? I'll go, I would go tree and then go completely different. So. Okay, let's do tree, then we'll do table. Okay. Table? Yes, don't worry. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, if you want, basically, a Christmas tree was originally a Yule tree. It is originally a pre-Christian thing. The custom came over to the British Isles in the Victorian era. It was originally German. So um, there's really technically nothing Celtic about a Christmas tree, which means you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, the tree is a symbol of life. It's a symbol of renewal. It has other symbology based on what spiritual thing you're talking about. Uh, my thinking is to Celtic it up, um, go with more natural ingredients. Um, this is also, you know, from a pagan perspective, it's also good for that. Um, but from a Celtic standpoint, uh, the tartan is good. Um, I would suggest um, for the uh, the Christians in your family, they might appreciate using something like uh, Bridget's crosses, which are technically a decoration and a craft for St. Bridget's Day, but there's no reason you can't use them for a, a holiday decoration other times of the year too. They're beautiful, they're, they're rustic, they're, they have a, a very wholesome feel to them, and you can make them at home. So you have a family activity, you can work into that too, and you can make them into uh, Christmas tree slash Yule tree ornaments. So that's that's my first suggestion as far as the tree is concerned. Does I was going to also, yes, I was also, now you got me thinking you want more nature kind of thing. Less it's always nature as far as I'm um, concerned. But, fair. Yeah. Um, sprigs of heather kind of in the tree to give it mm -hmm. a, a, a color, yep. a little bit yeah. of purple. purple. Little, Get that purple. little feel going yep. on there. Yep. Get a little, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Now, table. Um, yep. Table runner in tartan. So I'm, go, I'm going back to, you know, product slash tartan stuff. Um, table runner, because it's a, a great visual representation of it. Um, table runner, napkins, tablecloths, um, maybe a little centerpiece of flowers with, you know, thistle or heather and that kind of stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Um trying to think of anything else table or or food related outside of the food but you know dining related yeah i'm not gonna talk about food so much because we actually have a video on food planned so we'll talk about that in about a month okay right, go ahead anything else around the table um well uh this is food related but it's not something i talk about in the in the food video which is about celtic comfort foods you can incorporate into the holidays um but uh very traditional food for the Yuletide is um, ham. The reason it's ham is because it goes back to eating boar in the Middle Ages. Uh, and you have the, the tradition of the boar's head, which was a, a profile. It was like a, it was like a, a status symbol food. Um, if you were wealthy enough, if you were a lord uh, in the Middle Ages, then you would, have, you would have gone hunting for a boar and you feed the boar, have it roasted for the, for the, uh, for the company, and the head was presented to you as the trophy as a trophy piece. Um, so actually ham or pork product is very traditional. It also goes back to the pre-Christian roots because um, you slaughtered the hogs in the fall and you often did it in a sacrificial way. So having a pig as food was a way of celebrating your success, celebrating the fact that your farm was healthy, that your family was healthy. Um, so that's a very traditional thing to do. Now, and do you that's, eat the head? No. You could eat you could eat some meat go. off of it, but basically you would decorate it and okay. you know, so I'd say I would say you know have ham and but really <clears throat> gussy it up, make it beautiful. I think presentation is important for this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, the other thing that goes with the table and everything else is fire. Um, 
as a lot of you probably already know, uh, Halloween or Samhain is a fire festival, so lighting things on fire is huge. Lighting things on fire is huge in Scotland around Christmas time because um, they were they kind of combined the winter solstice. Correct. They they combine both Celtic and Norse traditions, and whereas uh, Celts would burn things in the fall and the spring, uh, Norse cultures burn stuff more in the winter. And so that's why if you look at Hogmanay, you have fireworks and you have all these fire festivals in various forms throughout Scotland. So the Yule Log um, is absolutely a tradition that applies to both pagan and Christian sides. Um, one thing you can do with the Yule Log is to, um, uh, people I know will like write wishes for the new year on slips of paper and then tie them into a ribbon which is wrapped around the log. Could be a tartan ribbon. And then when you burn the log, you're just basically watching the wishes and the log burn and it just feels good. It feels like a sense of closure and also hope for the future. So, what's the big fire? What's Lots the, of fire. What's the big fire festival up in Orkney? Is it up Uphelia? Up Uphelia, yeah. which is not related to uh, the holidays. It comes later. Yeah. A lot of people think it's a Christmas, New Year's thing, but it actually comes later. When is it? Do you remember? It's sometime in January. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, but, that's um, crazy. They swing a bunch of fireballs around and like run. Well, the fireballs is a, that's a one in this one town. I forget the name in Scotland where they basically they march down the street, yeah, swinging these balls of fire on chains above their heads. As you do. Um, so basically, the, the the whole thing about the holidays is to um, remember that you have you're surviving the winter, you're prepared to survive the winter, and to celebrate the fact that the family is healthy. So fire is important, comfort food is important, good drinks are important. Always. Fruit cake. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of Celtic and Scottish, you know, Irish and Scottish traditions of fruitcake-like foods. Again, it'll be in that video we're talking about. Um, make it yourself. It will be good. Trust me. Do not think that fruitcake is bad because of store-bought American fruitcakes. They are freaking delicious, especially if you soak them in brandy or rum for three months before you eat them. That is a fantastic, very traditional food to have uh, for the holidays, whether you're being uh, Scottish or Irish or something in between. So I could go on and on about this. There's a lot you can do. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of the traditions are definitely commingled. So your family, depend, you know, regardless of the mix of the spiritual outlooks, there's a lot of stuff you can all share at the same time because they've kind of, through wanton usage, have become a thing. Yeah. And it's, it's fun, you know, religious as well as ethnic backgrounds, whether, you know, my wife being Polish and Scottish and my German, like, and mixing all of those types of foods together. Food is like kind of the common denominator with all the oh, yeah. ethnicities yeah. and stuff. But mixing all of it together, that's the, the beauty of America, is being able to have all these different tastes of all these different cultures and kind of throw it all together and be like, ooh, that's really cool from that one and that's really cool from that mm -hmm. one. And ooh, I never talked or never tasted this before. That one's awesome. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. I think any activity where you're bringing the family together is good. So I think, I think the, you know, like the writing the wishes on slips of paper or the um, it's, it's like why, why you light candles together for Hanukkah. That's why Jewish people do that, you know. Yeah. Um, anything that brings them brings people together. So. I would say anything with food and alcohol mm -hmm. is just as important, if yep. not more. Yep. And, uh, yeah, there's guising traditions, which are both Samhain and Yuletide, depending on what part of the world you're in. Guising like as in? Putting on disguise. For... Yep. And, you know, traditionally, <clears throat> trick-or-treating in Ireland and Scotland you had to perform a trick to earn the treat, which is something that you'll find in Christmas traditions in Wales, like um, with the, uh, what's the name of it? The Merilude, which is this horse thing, which will come to your house, 
and it will it will tell you it'll ask you a riddle, and you have to answer. And if you fail to answer, then you, the the Mary Lude and its entourage come into the house and take over the party. But honestly, whether you answer or not, they're there to party. So the Mary Lude comes in, and people sing songs, and they drink <laughs> alcohol, um, like a, a punch or or, or or a mulled cider, and and trick or treating for Samhain slash Halloween used to be that too. Basically, kids would dress up in costume. They'd go around to the houses, either you know to hide from spirits or to represent spirits, depending on the interpretation. And you had to show your hospitality and respect for them. But in return, they had to do a trick to earn the treat. They had to sing a song or do a little dance or tell you a story or you know something like that in order to earn the treat. So it's not practical jokes. You know, It's not like a threat, I'm going to play a prank on you give me candy yeah it's no i'm gonna earn something by doing something nice for you so i think it's that's a much better tradition so i have two takeaways one kids today are too entitled they don't do tricks anymore <laughs> maybe maybe and, and two the the what's the, what's the welsh horse thing called Marilude. yes so he's effectively like the 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 high school jock taking over the party like kicking down the door <laughs> like all right guys it's mine now if the, if the high school jock was a skull of a horse with glowing eyes, then yes. It's Welsh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all these, like, all the German, old, old like, German, you know, kids' stories and, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. all these old things. It's, it's If you actually start reading them, it's scary, some of the stuff that they were it telling is. kids. It like, is. What's the Rumpelstiltskin, like, tore himself in two, and, like, all this, like, weird stuff. It was stuff. a scary world, man. Oh, man. It was a scary world, and weird you want stuff. your kids to be able to deal with it. <laughs> but I think the, the other big thing is the reciprocity. You know, we, we, we are not as keyed into reciprocity in the modern society as they were back then. You know, a gift for a gift, as we yeah, say. Yeah, that's fair. You know, that's hence, fair. hence earning the treat. Yes, yeah, so we are two in total. Yeah, so I rambled a bit. I'm willing to elaborate on this online, if it helps anybody, but... There's so much you can do, and a lot of the stuff that you already do is actually based on either pagan traditions or old Celtic traditions, like a lot of holidays. So so you're probably doing more than you think already. And when you go trick-or-treating this year, do a little magic trick, a little, little, little dance, do a little something, mm -hmm. just for them. Mm -hmm. Confuse people. Be like, that's ah, part of tradition, it's fine. <laughs> Especially if you're a grown-up. Hello, Marek yeah, like, Okay, kids, out of the way. Da, 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 da. <laughs> okay, okay, sir, here. Have some Please more. go okay. away. Thank uh, you for yes. coming. Happy Halloween. Exactly. Damn kids. All right, Mr. Mac. I shoot up a lot of time with that. I'm well, there, there's some comments here. So I'm going <laughs> to go over some I of those. They're really concerned have, for I'm um, curious to know what other families so, out there do. So we there was suggestions to use the head... The, the pig to make head cheese later. Um, so more there, Dutchy, there, but yeah, that was yeah. Uh, somebody a stray cat asked about uh, candied haggis. Maybe Good maybe old that's stray cat. maybe stray we just cat. start doing some candied haggis. The, mm. How about mm. this? How about this stray cat? Haggis with candy corn inside. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> or hard candy, mm. so you get one and you don't know. Oh. Ah. oh, I just threw no, my they mouth. Would uh, maybe that could be a new uh, jelly bean flavor, haggis, uh, haggis jelly beans. Mm. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what is a traditional sweet for the holidays though is mince meat pie. Mm -hmm. It is. Yep, that's that's another one which is pan British and mm -hmm. uh, Germanic mince meat pie. Yep, delicious. I'm still stuck on the the candy corn and haggis, <laughs> or like the little little pumpkins. 
Mm, are you yeah. are you pro or anti candy corn? Because I'm pro candy corn. I actually like candy corn. I love candy corn. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people hate. Don't it, care. Yeah, mm-hmm. people hate on candy corn. They're great for like fake teeth. You do that too? Oh, of course. <laughs> everyone does it. Awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. My wife looks at me. She's like, really? Again? Come on. Again? I, yeah. Dads do it. <laughs> Point. Point. <laughs> Max, yep. like, y- still yep. that. Yep. Whoa. <clears throat> exactly. Yep. And we do have uh, Chuck said uh, red and green ground effect lights on the bottom hem of his kilt. Is that like you're guiding him in for entry? Is that like, you know, like a runway? I mean. <laughs> there are kilted Santas. Ooh. There are a lot of kilted Santas out there. Yeah, Clan John- Claws. Jonathan King. Marshmallow chick flavored haggis. Oh. <laughs> oh, now, see. New new video idea. Haggis recipes that million, should never million, be done. A million and one things to do with uh, haggis that you shouldn't. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Haggis flavored whiskey. Mm. All right, next. Mr. Mac. All right. So, uh, everyone probably runs in this problem. Um, Ethan is asking. <laughs> everyone? Uh, I recently went to a concert in my kilt uh, with and basic accessories. I didn't realize they had metal detectors at the door. I had to remove my scorn, belt, kilt pin, yep. and explain <laughs> the buckles on the kilt. Yes. Uh, it's that they don't come off. Yep. They yep. let me through, but is there a way he could avoid this in the future? Nope. Not, um, the, not the buckles. Uh, yes. Casual kilt. Casual kilt. Sporin. Sporin strap. There you go. Because it's it's it's. I and when, when 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 big you know big big bonky man when the bouncer that's quoting my specials there. Big for you. big bonky man. Big. The specials. Come on. Yes, okay, yes, yes. Okay. I know. Go. Keep Scott going. reference. I'm sorry. Um, when the bouncer comes up and says, you know, he gives you a little wand up and down the back, um, and he's like, what the hell are you wearing in front there? It's it's my purse. It's my handbag. It's where I keep my stuff. And as long as you're, you know, there's nothing in there that shouldn't be in there, and you don't have any metal in there, if you wear a sporin strap, which is the leather bit versus a sporin chain, that may allow you to slip through without you know, catching yeah. too much guff. Um, a regular kilt, or, or casual kilt, excuse me, without the straps and buckles. It just has Velcro closure, something like that. Again, you know, I'm thinking like airport hacks right. transferred over to uh, exactly. uh, concerts. Because airport is where I ran into it. I've, yeah. I've always, you know, if I just take the sporn off and put it into the basket uh, to go through the the extra machine. And then I, when I get up to the, the walkthrough, I say, okay, be aware, this garment has buckles here and here. They're going to set off the machine. Um, and that's usually all it takes. I mean, as long as you're rehearsed in, in the spiel, you can usually get through okay. Um, I've never had it happen at a concert, but maybe because concerts I go to, people are wearing so much metal on their person already that, that the, the bouncers are used to it. Yeah, that's obviously part of the outfit. That's part of the costume. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never been – I've had my bag checked all the time. I'd you know, say this, but, you know, and they'll check your sporn like they check a woman's bag. But yeah, uh, I'd say this. A little bit of humor, if you're wearing a kilt with buckles, can go a long way. So right. when the bouncer just you know, wands you and you say, you know, look, there's buckles, I can unattach them, but you're not going to like the results, dude. You right. know, something to right. that effect. Um, generally, they're just kind of like, okay, fine, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah. It's not generally too much of a problem. It really depends on the bouncer. Yeah. They're... And if he's got a problem with it, ask him to, you know, don't be a Karen, but ask him, you know, hey, look, this doesn't come doesn't come unattached. I literally, this is my clothing. If you have an issue, can you bring the manager over and have him wand me and talk me through it? So. Right. I think it's not too hard if they're mostly, if they're rational, it's not too hard to help them realize that you're not sketchy. You're just a guy who's wearing this particular outfit. Yeah. You know? I mean, they're they're looking for shivs. They're looking for weird stuff. Yep. So they're gonna they, they'll figure it out. Yeah, just um, be be cognizant of what I have what you have on you. If you have a, a a knife or a little like you know little knife on your keychain, make sure you leave that in the car. Right. Don't take extra keys. Don't take anything. Don't extra. wear a skin do. Yes, don't wear a skin do. <laughs> <clears throat> just wear as little metal as possible, and you will probably right. slip through ninety nine times out of a hundred. Yep. If you get some guy with a, a wild hair. Um, he's going to stop you, but if you explain you can't take the things off that you're wearing, he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Rocky mentioned the, the casual kilt. That is a product that we make. <clears throat> um, I'm sure there are other similar things, but it's basically the closure system on it is Velcro, so there is no metal. Yeah. So uh, it's a very good concert kilt. I will say that because you don't have to worry about it. It's a beat-up kilt, mm -hmm. so it's very good for rowdier activities. Indeed. Rowdy like the pit. Mm-hmm. The old windmill. I'm not going to windmill with scotch here, but and yes. you're not allowed. You're not allowed to go crowd surfing in a kilt. No, remember? No, no. I've done that. It's no. You you can blind people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. He actually did once. Blinded Ken Casey from Dropkick. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> All right, who was that? That a was Matt. Date Mr. Which Eric. shall live in infamy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adam Donaldson asked us. Uh, oh, he says thank you for doing a wonderful show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, my question is, uh, what are your thoughts on or experiences with X-Hire kilts? So like X-Hire X -hire being the UK term, rental being the... Yep. <clears throat> um, basically, yes. X-Hire kilts, X-Rental kilts are a thing. If, let's start from the, the, the thought, the premise that he's asking for reasons of financial, you know, wanting to get a good kilt. Oh, he's looking for a bargain. Yeah, looking for a bargain. Get his, get his feet wet. Exactly. Um, I'd say go on eBay, go on eBay, you know, .co.uk to get the UK eBay if they're going to sell to US people. Um, and you can look for X-Rental, look for the term X-Hire, um, and you'll be able to find maybe a an eight-yard wool kilt in your size. You won't necessarily be able to get the right tartan that you necessarily want mm -hmm. and you may have mm -hmm. to kind of fudge the size a little bit the length may be a half inch or an inch off but there are deals to be had and i would rather see somebody looking for a a deal on an x higher kilt than a cheap kilt on ebay which there will be plenty of aka like acrylic 50 dollars yeah. it falls apart as soon as you wear it type yeah. stuff yep from overseas yeah yeah i agree i agree yeah i think it is I think it's not a bad idea for a, again, getting your feet wet if you're on a budget or if you need, or perhaps a secondary kilt because you want one to change the oil in your car. As we, you know, our classic favorite weird example is like, yeah, you're changing the oil or in your car. Or concerts or beat up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, you will not have a, an easy time finding a, a lot of clan tartans. Most higher kilts are the big names. You want Campbell, you want McDonald, you're covered. If you want uh, McGillivray or something or, you know, Ross Johnston or Ross yeah it's not yeah. as likely you're going to find it and you'll find a lot of funky fashion tartans because 
that's how those the rental companies roll is by offering those because it's easy to have a matching wedding party that way um so your choices are a little bit limited and again your sizing may be a little a little bit limited yeah and so. the um generally higher companies will sell the kilts you know try to offload their inventory it, basically they're trying to find a sweet spot where it is beat up enough that they've gotten right. the full life out of it it's been rented you know 50 times it's been dry cleaned 20 times whatever however but it's still it. but it's still sellable but it's still sellable right they don't want it so disheveled so beat up so knackered that you're going to get it and be like what the hell is this and they don't want holes in it and things like that so they're trying to find it in a sweet spot it's not going to be brand new but it's going to be serviceable for a good price right um yeah, and a lot of the, to touch on your point about the General Tartan or the Universal Tartans, a lot of the rental companies in the UK and some in the US are selling or are renting, excuse me, um, more uh, Universal Generic Tartans because it's it's more of a thing and more people will like it and more people are looking for matching wedding colors or right. at least not clashing right. with wedding colors. So there's a lot of grays um, and a lot of companies will offer like a purple one, a blue one, a gray one, a black one, and then black watch, and then Royal Stewart or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. to cover a color range, because many younger Scots right now and Americans and things like that are looking to match based on a color palette, not necessarily rent based on their clan tartan. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there you go. Yes, a good deal can be had. You just got to really search for it, cross your fingers, and get lucky. So end of the lesson. Indeed. Mr. Mac. Oh, man, my neck is stiff today. Cool. Yeah, right? <laughs> there you go. For those, those are like the uh, the sound effects. Yes, the cracking video. Snap, <laughs> crackle, pop. I'm sure Tom's loving it. Um, we have uh, Damien King asking, how do you determine whether or not a kilt is vintage, and why is vintage Highland wear so uncommon? We could make a joke about this easily, but I don't know if you want to do a joke or a serious answer. Why is vintage Highland wear so uncommon? Um, it's again, I'll go back to eBay. Uh, you can find stuff on eBay for vintage stuff. Um, it's clothing. Eventually, it will wear out. Um, a lot of it just gets given to secondhand stores, and a lot of people don't in secondhand stores staff don't know what they have so they're a, a man's kilt will be end up in the women's section because they just think it's a skirt or a, a a man's you know argyle jacket will end up with the regular suit jackets because they don't know what it is they're mm -hmm. like oh it's it's weirdly short so mm -hmm. here i'll put it over here yeah. because they're not educated like you guys are educated like we're educated on this stuff um it may be easier to find in scotland than it is here because there's more it's more in the ethos they more understand it yeah um but yeah I wouldn't say it's necessarily um, too hard. It but. depends on where you are. Um, yeah. I was talking to uh, a gentleman a while back. Actually, it was one of our ambassadors, if I recall, um, who had said that uh, he had the good fortune when he was getting started to be living in Canada. And he <clears throat> was able to find kilts in uh, thrift stores. Uh, uh, a fair number of them were uh, former military. Um, but he was able to find used kilts in, in thrift stores because they're more commonly worn up there. I think to some degree, so it definitely depends on where you are. In the UK, uh, there's going to be more. In Canada, there's going to be more. In the US, less. I think there's also an issue of volume because we're still dealing with the fact that 
seri uh, serial kilters are kind of a newer phenomenon. Um, traditionally, you had one or two, and you wore it all your life, so it was never going to go to a thrift store until you're dead. You know, you get it basically like the, the, the cliche is that you get a kilt for your wedding, you know, or first communion maybe, you know, if you're really young and, and go through more than one in Scotland. Uh, wedding, wear it for the rest of your life, maybe get buried in it. So there's not going to be as many showing up in the cycle of thrift stores as or you might pass think. it down through the family or sometimes pass it down through the family yeah. if it's in good enough condition. Yeah. But this is also but but he makes a good point because this is also why when you find some of the specimens that uh, they have they're invaluable. Um, like the uh, we talked about uh, last month we talked about the Kingusi uh, kilt which is actually part of a whole kilt suit and that was such a find because it was very unique and it was a survival from, you know, early uh, 19th century. It's just kind of like, whoa, we don't have that much. So even, yeah. even as recent history as that, you don't have as many examples as you'd like. And it was in a good, con it was in good condition because mm -hmm. it was stored in a trunk, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, absolutely. The uh, yeah, completely lost my thought. But yeah, it's it's. I like a lot of the vintage. I feel your pain. I like a lot of vintage yeah. style, and it is absolutely making its way back around again. The uh, the Duke of Rothsay, you know, Prince Charles, like. His a lot of his elements of his outfit are old timey, like classic traditional looks to them. So mm -hmm. a lot of like we have our uh, Rothsay sporn. We have a few sporns that are inspired by traditional sporns. We have some jackets that are kind of inspired by that. So yes, it's all coming back around. It is difficult to find original versions of the things, but I think if you in the next few years, you're going to see it kind of evolve a little bit and become cyclical and start having more traditionally inspired, brand new versions of the thing. And, and of course, thanks to all of us peoples, people like 30 years from now will be finding lots of kilts in the thrift stores. <laughs> um, they just they, Kilts have not been as ubiquitous as uh, disposable fashion has been for the past hundred years. Yeah. So you just don't see as many examples of it. Agreed. Yes. I also think it depends on what like the circles you're in like so oh, yeah. for like military like i see a lot of that i see more highland stuff in that aspect where you're getting you're getting badges you're getting you know all the whole gamut of stuff even mm -hmm. kilts you're seeing a lot more of that headwear stuff it's so you're talking for sale yeah i'm just I'm right. yeah right. so i'm doing right. what i'm saying you know i'm just saying it depends on what where you're looking you're gonna find it but it just it's if you're going into your regular thrift stop thrift shop it's going to be a real hunt and peck in there, mm -hmm. where if you're going to like something more like a yeah. military show, you're going to see a lot more of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. or high end auctions will yep. often yep. have like old timey high end auctioneer, porn. auctioneers on eBay. Yes, yeah, um, antique Richard, dealers. Richard Cook, um, uh, guy from X Marks, he has like an uncanny knack to find beautiful old sporins, old cantles. That's another thing you can do is look for old cantles. And try to find a someone who's going to rebag it or just put a new bag on the sporin. The other yep. trick, so to speak, is look for things that it's not. So like plaid tartan skirt or Scottish skirt, things like that. Because people who are trying to sell the vintage things don't know what they have and don't know how to accurately describe it. So yep. you have to look for ancillary ways to describe the thing to search for the thing or tweed jacket you may just want to look for tweed jacket not a tweed kilt jacket mm -hmm. um so yeah yep. it's it's a lot of digging you're a historical um digger guy what am i looking at? 
Picker? Picker? Yeah, there you go. Archaeologist? Archaeologist, thank you. That's but no, he, he just he just responded again. Um, but he's asking, is there any visible variations between a vintage kilt and something we oh, yeah. would have now? He so asked like a totally it was like a two parter type thing. Question, didn't you? And we totally just <laughs> went <laughs> past that. Went with that the way. second part. Yep. Um <clears throat> Well that's a construction thing. That's more over to you you yeah. two. Um let you guys answer uh, that. Yes. Hand sewn, not machine sewn. Um Clo you know, different closure methods. Different methods, closure methods, depending on how old the kilt is. Yep. Um, different amount of yardage, depending on how old the kilt is. Different lining or lack of lining, depending mm -hmm. on how old the kilt is. Less attention um, to lining up things in the back. Yep. Less attention to the pleating. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, depending on the age of the kilt um, or the age you're looking for, yes, there are there are different variations. I mean, like a kilt has gone through an evolution from you know from the great kilt where it's just literally a length of cloth up through a very, very highly tailored garment using, you know, current construction methods. So there's there's a lot of steps in between to get to where we are now. So it's one of those where, Mac, do you have any thoughts on uh, anything I'm missing as far as the, the, the closure system, the buckle, or types of straps and buckles, the width of the straps and buckles? It used to be two prong would be yeah. the older style, right? Um, right. The canvas, but yeah. Potentially, you could have uh, either a tartan, like we've saw some examples from that um, from place in Philadelphia that was like early 1900s that had they used tartan scraps as straps instead of leather. I remember that. Um, usually, a white lining is usually another good key. Yep. Yep. Um, and that could be a white can. It could be white anything. It was just Usually a little bit taller, um, like lengthwise. Yeah, yeah. rise, people were shorter. Rise, rise yeah, is a little bit higher. Longer, a little bit. Yeah. Um, even the the color, I'd say the color. Some of the dyes are a little bit bolder now. Yeah, but once you see one, it's it's your kind of you'll get the feel for what the rest of them yeah. should look like. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can play with it, and you can have historical, you know remake historical kilts based on you know your exact specs what you want in your kilt but yeah it's there's there's a lot of variation over the entire evolution of the garment does that make sense good i'll pretend that makes sense too all right mr eric i think we're gonna have to do a long show we got a lot of questions here we always do i know i know i need more um, let me cut to one that I wanted to make sure we we fit in before the end. Uh, Dustin asked us, "Are you guys aware of two fellas, feller, two fellers, fellers, two fellers who call themselves the Kilted Coaches? Uh, they recently had new kilts made, and they're awesome, but also strange. Almost like they have three aprons or something. Do you have any insight on what these guys are doing?" Yes, um, Kilted Coaches are two guys over in Scotland. Um, they have a YouTube channel, and they do coaching for you know basically lifting rocks and you know working out in nature um yep. <clears throat> they designed a tartan had it registered recently had it uh woven and made over in scotland and the i didn't know what he was talking about i saw their videos um when they got the new tartan woven and made into kilts but i didn't notice anything weird about it and then i was watching one of their videos after we got the question and started looking at uh critically at the kilt when they were wearing it working out and it was like a weird flap kind of thing so we reached mm -hmm. out to them ta-da a burning missive 
dun, from dun, the dun. Tilted Coaches. Um, basically, I asked them, uh, hey, guys, you know, we watch your stuff. You know, we have a question. Um, one of our customers was asking or one of our viewers was asking. And their response about the flap, what I thought it was, was them just like tucking up an apron or something so while they were doing like, you know, squat thrusts or a particular exercise. But I was wrong. They came back and said, um, for our new kilts, we've gone for a specialist design to honor the great kilt. It's a drape addition that we attach that can also be worn up over the shoulder or can hang loosely at our sides. So short email. Um, but the, I think where they were probably going with it was A, something a little bit different. B, something, as they said, to honor the great kilt, and potentially C, to kind of cover the back of the kilt when they sit down, since they're out in nature doing their workouts and stuff, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. trying to, you know, keep the kilt as nice as possible from mm -hmm. mud and, you know, grass and that kind of thing. Yeah, a sit upon, I would call it. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I, now having watched the video of where they picked up the kilts at the shop, um, the, uh, they look like they're completely traditional, regular design, like eight yard yeah. kilts. So I think that the, the the thing that we're seeing in the photographs and that they're describing is an entirely separate thing. Visible. It's not yeah. part of the kilt. It's like an apron-like or mini shawl, if you will, that they're wrapping around and playing with. Yeah. Now, if they have any kind of mechanical attachment points for it, that's not evident from what we've seen. Yeah. But um, like Velcro on the inside of the kilt or something yeah, like that. Just something to, like that. Yeah. But it's kind of cool looking. I don't yeah. mind it. I don't. I don't like it either. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. I can see it's something different. Yeah, and, and, and let's face it, it's um, these are very very down to earth, very nice guys, but it is it is partly presentation. This is this is their showmanship, you know. Yep. It's all they can do for showmanship because most of the time they're topless. But well, I guess the muscles are the show. Let's face it, you know, yeah. and the rocks, the so rocks are. Part we, of the show. we we don't want to show them up. That's why we got to keep these on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's there's too much sex appeal in this whole frame right here. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, Mr. Mac. We'll do one more from you, then we'll do the sneak preview. Sneak All preview. Right. Dun, dun, dun. So, we have Chugwater Jack <laughs> on YouTube. That's the name for the day. Um, for formal Jack. wear, what shirt slash collar and tie for a, regula for, for a regulation doublet, not a military doublet, would you recommend? Regulation doublet. Regulation which, doublet. Which collar? A regulation double is basically a Prince Charlie with flaps. Um, so, tassets. for what? Tassets. Tassets. Mm -hmm. Extra yeah. tassets. Being all, being all technical yeah. and fancy. Mm -hmm. um, yes, a uh, uh, it has a three-button waistcoat um, with you know uh, lapels in the waistcoat. So, for that, you would wear essentially the same thing you would wear with a Prince Charlie—a wing collar, you know, dress right. shirt uh, with a placket over the buttons, ideally, so you don't have the studs or the the buttons showing. Um, and a bow tie. It's just a slightly fancier version of a Prince Charlie. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there are more people playing around with using uh, a higher cut argyle, what we would call an argyle type uh, waistcoat with uh, both PCs and regulation doublets. I think it looks better with a regulation doublet than with the PC, frankly. Um, and it's not, it's kind of a funky thing that's come out of, again, the kilt hire agencies in Scotland have started uh, promoting this. So with that combination, you could possibly wear a necktie, or you could possibly do a jabot if you want to be really ra radical that, about it. Yeah. A lot of people poo-poo ruche ties. Um, points if you want to do a ruche tie by actually tying a tie into a ruche knot by hand. Um, but you could, with, with a higher waistcoat, you could play around with some other things. And I think 
might look kind of cool. Um, but if you're using the low-cut PC-type waistcoat, which is usually sold with the regulation doublet, yeah, it's a bow tie and wing and a collar shirt. Yeah, I, I would, I would say this: if I'm even if I'm wearing a higher vest and like an Argyle vest, a five-button vest that is mm -hmm. less showing, I would still probably wear a bow tie. Um, because it is still a formal jacket versus a necktie, which is less formal. Yeah, I was just trying to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, understood. I, I almost want to say it could be fun with a jabot. The way the way you would wear a jabot with like a sheriff mirror. Potentially. Or potentially. a Montrose. But, yeah, but I'm not a big jabot, jabot fan. I know you're not, but yeah. I think I think the 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 antiquated styles are definitely getting more popular. Oh, absolutely. It's the it's the sheriff high end mirror, formal end yep. romantic even more romantic end of the Peaky Blinders effect, the vintage effect that we talk yep. about for daywear. Yeah, it's, you know, but. whether it's great kilts, whether it's Kenmore doublets, whether it's, you mm -hmm. know, everything we were just talking about, whether it's, you know, the vintage style all kind of coming back around again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a regulation doublet for all the world looks like um, an, Argy an Argyle doublet you'd see around the turn of the century, or even like in the 1890s. It really is actually technically more traditional as a design than a PC, which, as we noted before, was kind of a new hybrid idea um, that came out of the Jazz Age. Yep, so, 1920s-ish. Yeah, yep. those fancy satin lapels. So fancy. Yep, so fancy. Fancy. Indeed. We want to do one more question, or should we jump into the... Why don't we do the video, and it'll give us a little chance to chat about it, and we can do a couple more questions after. See if anybody, sure. Or if anybody has questions born <clears throat> of the preview, we can Indeed. So, boys and girls... Prepare yourselves. Hold on to your seats. Here is the preview for Eric and Rocky Invade Celtic Classic. So today, Eric and I are going to kind of run around, show you guys a little bit behind the scenes stuff, show you what going to a Celtic festival is all about. It really is community. If you've never gone to a festival, even if it's a small one, Go, you know, you owe it to yourself. I don't want to have a 50 pound sporin by the end of the day or right. walk around with 10 t-shirts tucked around my belt like Batman. <laughs> they are there to help you connect with your heritage. Well, it's really nice to have this connection with my grandparents, great-grandparents, people who I never actually met, who I feel closer to. You're the end of the line. If you don't make it happen from here, for my family, it's not gonna happen. Rock Eileen! Courage! the community. Mm -hmm. It's, that is what this is all about. And I just cried, it was like, you can have all the cookies, baby. <laughs> I just wanted to give him all the cookies. And I absolutely love it. I love it more than anything you could ever imagine. I have a lot of cool memories here. Um, now I'm gonna get choked up. About it. Or you can just feel the nature on your face. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy some Buckelbergs. So, 
This video is going to be premiering next Friday, October 15th. If you're watching this after the fact, it'll have already gone. Um, so <laughs> what was your favorite and least favorite part of doing the the live show, capturing all the stuff at Celtic Classic? Uh, you mean actually doing the filming? Yes. I was about to say, okay. Um, I really enjoyed goofing around, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you don't see as much of it, but the, uh, uh, you know, being in front of a camera brings out the, the ham. Oh, yeah. So I had a lot of fun. Uh, Us getting, never. Well, not in my reactions is also also people's reactions. I was like, hey, we're filming you. And they're like, oh, you know, and just having fun with it. Um, and that dovetailed with me getting to see friends I hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. And you make friends when you're out <clears throat> filming someplace. You know, there's a, there was a woman who came up to you who we could have sworn was like some old friend of yours and we couldn't remember her name. It turned oh, out she, she didn't know you from Adam. The drunk lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and I thought no. that was hysterical. <clears throat> it'll, was... There's no footage of it that you'll never see the light of day, but she was all over you. Oh, and It was funny. Oh, it was um, painful. So I think that's the thing. It's, it's the, the way just enjoying the way people react to the camera. Was, yeah. was was a lot of fun, and, and it's like if some of them were nervous, and some of them were just kind of leaning into it, and um, it was a it was an icebreaker, in a weird way. It was kind of like an yeah. icebreaker, so it was, it was fun from that standpoint. <clears throat> the my I will the not worst but weirdest to, to kind of get used to part was having you know being on camera, having people follow us around with the camera, and having people look at you just like you know, oh they're filming something. Oh what are they doing? Mm. And it's kind of like, you know, we're sitting here in a studio now, so it's, it's you know, it's it's different than being out in nature with a bunch of people staring at you um, because you're on film and trying to act normal with a camera pointed at you and people staring at you simultaneously. Yeah, we got a lot of, what the hell? Yeah, what are you, you know, doing? That's kind of like, yeah. um, the, the best part for me was being able to enjoy Celtic Classic again. Right. <laughs> and yep. being out yep. in the booth for a day and a half and being able to run around and you know actually seeing what it looks vendors. like exactly yeah it's the the funniest part of, of of specifically celtic classic for me is people will come into the booth when i'm working and be like you know uh hey do you know where this stage is or where this vendor is because i'm looking for this thing and I'd be like lady these four walls this this 20 by 30 tent is all i see yeah. all weekend yeah um, so yep. I know, you know, people just assume that we know where things are and what's going on and where to get to and how to get to them. Right. So right. being able to see parts of the festival I've never seen before because I've always been working um, mm -hmm. and being able to interact with people, that's the coolest part to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was kind of, we had a really, we had a perfect excuse to try and see as much of it as possible. Yeah. Which was cool. It's fun. So. It's Hopefully you guys dig the video um, when it actually comes out. It's we tried to encapsulate what it's like to go to a festival. You know what you should bring when you go to a festival. Um, what types of things you're going to see there. Get a bunch of B-roll, that kind of stuff, um, and really why you should care. I mean that's the yeah. that's the crux of the whole thing is to support the culture and move it all forward. Yep. So yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah, it was a good time. Indeed. Really good time. Yeah, I loved it. So, so. that's going to be uh, yeah Friday the. Friday the 15th? 15th, yep. At 3 p.m. That's why I was getting confused. Um, so the same time you're used to tuning in for one of these things, next week, 3 yep. p.m. And we are doing the premiere, so we will be there to comment a bit. Yep. Tippity-tippity. Yep. Tippity-tippity-tappity. Indeed. Indeed. So All right. my turn or Max's turn? Let's do one more from you. 
I think. It's your turn. Okay. For me? Yes. This person right here? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, da, 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 da. This is on the first page. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I know it's here. There it is. Michael Vernon uh, uh, is going to school to be a pilot. Um, so he's in a uniformed world. He's in school right now, but even when he gets out, it's going to be a uniformed world. So he said, what would you recommend to someone who's considering becoming a serial kilter? He's really into it, but has to work in a uniformed industry. And I'm not sure what help we can offer in some ways. Yeah. you, you got to wear what you're supposed to wear according to the boss. So Yeah. Um, that's a tough one because, like, my, my, my heart and my head go to different places. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> where I want to tell you, you know, this is part of your heritage. You should be able to do it and, you know, equal rights and all that kind of stuff. You should be able to wear unbifurcated garments. Um, but at the same time, if it's an employment at will state, yeah, they don't have to allow you to do certain things. So that's why I'm it's I'm I'm torn on it. The I would say this, don't let it don't let it stop you from wearing it outside of work hours. I mean, work hours are 9 to 5 Monday to Friday. So, if you're going to go out for dinner, if you're going to do it on the weekends, you know, sure, great, do it then if they won't allow you to do it. Um now, it's a much bigger commitment, shall we say, but looking for an industry would, that would allow you to wear it, but you're going into an industry where, no, they have regulations, you have to follow the regulations. Right. So maybe if like, if the pilot's, you know, outfit is like tan pants, maybe you can get away with like a tan utility kilt or something. Nah, I don't think but so. But it's still, I don't think you're, so. you're still skirting the rules. Um, <laughs> skirting the rules, get it? <laughs> uh, that wasn't on purpose. Um, but yeah, I, I would say don't let it stop you. You can still wear it outside of your job, but the job and making money is more important to yeah. some degree because that's what affords you to be able to buy the kilts. Yeah. Real life has to come first sometimes. Yeah. I would say now in, in his specific situation, um, since he's going to pilot school, and presumably he will succeed and be a pilot, um, he's going to be in the air a lot and bouncing around from city to city so um i would consider since you're kind of relegated to wearing this stuff in your off time um make sure that you have uh kilts that are lighter weight and easy to pack so when you get to the hotel in vegas or wherever you're flying to and it's suddenly now to your time to relax and you have a day off or whatever you can whip out the kilt from your carry-on and and change and enjoy yourself um make your kit simplified streamlined easy to pack so you know if you get into serial kilting and have a big collection it may mean that when you're home you're switching it out and you're not taking that many kilts with you each time because i know that these guys tend to pack really light right um and they're on the move constantly but um um that's basically the only advice i can offer is basically is to you know try and give yourself a kit that you can enjoy even if you're away from home home when you're working that job yeah. The um, other other people, you can the uniform might have strict regulations and then guidelines. Like you can wear a tartan tie. You have to wear a tie. You could it could be a tartan tie. You know, you have to wear pants and you have to wear a shirt. But there's nothing that says you can't have, you know, a kilt pin on your vest as flair. We need to talk about your flair. Really? I 
I have 15 pieces on. You know. Um, there are ways to get some heritage into it and some style into it, if not the kilt itself. How many pieces of flair is he allowed to have on his vest? As a pilot, all the flair. I don't know. But you know what I mean. It's like other people who work in the service industry or stuff. You know, sometimes there's guidelines. Um, or in the medical industry, sometimes they encourage them to have uh, a little bit of personality in the uniform because it's nice for the clientele or the patients. Um, this is why designer scrubs are a thing, you know, in the nursing industry. So yep. there might be ways to play with it. Yes, Mac? Now, in a quick quick search on the Googles, Uh-oh. if he would work for EasyJet or was the other one here real quick? Jet. Blue, mm-hmm. sure. They both have yeah. It's JetBlue. They both have tartan. But would they allow him to wear it? The easy, the easy jet. They uh, they have as they show their pilots in wearing kilts, and they show their stewardess with uh, tartan jackets. Well, there so. you go. You know, it's two you companies know where to, to go now. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he mentioned his school has uh, an official tartan too, but he hasn't been able to get a hold of the the school tartan as a product, and we know how that goes. Um, but, uh, okay. Now, the broader Good question. Good to know. The broader question of, forget forget him. Forget that guy. Um, you're not in pilot school. You're just in an industry where you're not allowed. That's a uniformed industry. You can't wear a kilt. You can still wear a kilt to work and change when you get. If yeah. you really want to thumb your yeah, nose at him. kind of where I was going. You can wear your kilt to work, you know, or as soon as you're done your shift, change and, you know, walk out that way. And right. If your boss thinks it's cool, he may say, hey, that's awesome. And and you may be able to strike up a conversation and find a middle ground. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, on specific holidays, you might be able to wear it in. They may be able to relax the rules a little bit. Um, or he may say, like, what are you doing? And be like, you know, I'm off the clock. I'm just going home. I'm going out to dinner. I'm allowed to wear a kilt. I'm yep. off the clock now. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, don't lose your job over it unless no. – you don't care about your job. If you don't care about your job or your boss is a jerk, then screw it. Do what you want to do. Yeah. I have another answer for him. Go ahead. Boxer kilt. Boxer kilt. You can wear the boxer kilt. What is a boxer kilt? You don't remember this? Somebody asked us about this last month, and we, we weren't sure if we were going to answer the question because somebody asked about boxer kilts. A boxer kilt is a newfangled startup. They're doing a GoFundMe or whatever to try and get this company off the ground. It is uh, oh. briefs underwear with a hole in the front to allow ventilation and that which is protruding through the hole is covered by this apron modesty flap a modesty flap if you will and they do it in tartan and they call it a boxer kilt I wouldn't wear that on the job that might actually end up getting you fired it's inside your pants nobody's gonna see it that's my oh, point that's, okay, okay. I, thought, I was thinking about just kill. that no. like <laughs> Hey guys! <laughs> no, that's Pick-a-boo. that's the that's the kilted, you know, the kilted yeah. coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no, on the special no. channel. No, <laughs> that's the only fans. <laughs> only Scots. Oh uh, no, no! Please don't make that happen. Don't make like, that happen. I'm no. just imagining. I was like, oh, I got my kilt. You know. Very good. Uh, All right. Enough of this. <laughs> We've gone off the rails far enough. All right, boys and girls, question of the day. Um, when you go to a Celtic festival, what is your favorite part? What parts of the festival do you want to see expanded? Is it the Highland Games? Is it the music? If it's the music, what band? Is it traditional? Yeah. Tell us what your favorite part of the Highland Games are and why they're your favorite part. Right. We want to know. Tell us in the comments. Cool. Until next time, boys and girls. 
Slangeva. Slangeva. Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava. Slanjava.